everybody. Welcome to Frame Trap, a show where we talk about video games and whatever else floats our boat. I am your host, Ben Moore. With me, this episode, right next to me, Daniel Bloodworth. Hey, it's been a little while. It has been a long time. I was thinking about it. I can't remember the last Frame Trap you were on. So it's good to have you back. You've got some interesting things to talk about. You've got some big things to talk about. Yeah. Along with Bradley Ellis at the end. Kazuma. I just wanted to say <laughs> oh, Kazuma. Oh, crap. Yeah, that's out this week. Yeah. We, I love how, like, so on the Easy Allies podcast, they always have, they have a thing that people say. You can say hello, you can make it funny, you can make it cute. Mm -hmm. We don't do that here, but now you're doing Kazuma. Mm -hmm. I like That's that. That's right. I like that. Maybe uh, maybe we can, like, limit it so you can only reference Yakuza yeah, in your opening. Uh, it's been a while since I've been on this too, right? No, it hasn't been. <laughs> uh, <laughs> sometimes the frame traps come together and it's like, okay, let's get... These two people in the show, and they agree, and it's weeks in advance. Sometimes things get so crazy that it's not until the last minute, and so Brad was able to actually mm -hmm. step in at the last minute mm -hmm. and come be on the nice. show. But it's good news. We usually do some sort of preamble. I ask you something about, like, what do you think about Easter? And then we talk about that. You know, it's oh, a little yeah. bit last of a... one was on Easter, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we do that to get a little bit of a warm-up. Yeah. Know, have some fun. Maybe yeah. a story or two will come Loosen out of up. It. There's no time for that today. <laughs> There's no time. There's no warm-up. Oh, business. We're, we're starting straight with the fire because I've finished, and you finished, and Blood is currently playing through yeah. God of War uh, coming out this right, and we have a lot of things to say about it, and so I just want to get right into it. Uh, I was at a preview event, and so I've talked a lot about God of War and, and kind of what I thought about the first few hours, uh, but Brett, I want to throw this to you. Mm-hmm. You finished it. Mm-hmm. You're a big fan. Mm -hmm. Does this live up to the hype? Uh, for me, yes. I would also give this game a 10 if I reviewed it. Mm. So I think it is an exceptional video game. Okay, so you think it's an exceptional video game. You think it's a 10, but what does that really mean? I'm really scared to talk about stuff. Yeah. Because uh, we don't want any spoilers. I don't want to ruin anything for this game for anybody. No, we so not only. I'll try to tread lightly. Not only do we not want to ruin things for you, but we're also still heavily under embargo. Yes. And yeah. so there are a lot of cool things in this game. Obviously, we don't want to ruin them. Uh, if you do want to skip the God of War talk, which is completely understandable, no one's going to be upset about that. There are timestamps in the description, and there are always timestamps in Frame Traps. So you can skip exactly to the game or topic. Uh, that you want to get to. Uh, We're going to try very, 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 very hard to not ruin, obviously, any specific story moments. But if you're worried about us talking about combat at all or mm -hmm. very basic things, I understand that. Uh, feel free to skip ahead. Yeah. Uh, but there's a lot to talk about, oh, I think, even also, without ruining anything. <laughs> yeah, remember this. Review yeah. copy provided by PlayStation. Review copy <laughs> oh, yeah. provided yeah. by PlayStation. <laughs> Put that on the screen right we here, We have man. to Boom. say that. <laughs> Yeah, okay, I'm glad you reminded me. I actually need to make a I note. Always Insert text here. <laughs> uh, Brad, but when I say, like, what does that mean? What is a 10? Uh, we've given 10s to, let's see, Uncharted 4. Uh, what was a 5 out of 5 10? 5 out of 5. I'm making an equivalency here okay. just for the sake of okay. conversation. But uh, I think that's it, right? Uncharted 4, Persona 5, Mario Odyssey. Mario Odyssey, that's yeah. right. And then uh, Last Guardian and Shadow of the Colossus. Last Guardian, Shadow of the Colossus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so in comparison to those games, mm -hmm. does it sit right there? Is it above? Like, where I would it, say where so. Where does it sit for you? Like, um, We've talked about this numerous times, Ben, but it reminds me of going from the older Resident Evil style to Resident Evil 4, how yeah. it kind of just reinvents this genre 
that it frankly needed it got like after mm-hmm. ascension everyone was kind of like you know it's okay yeah but i think this reinvents the franchise in a super impactful way kind of does its own thing the storytelling is incredible the combat is I, I was really worried about the combat before this game came out, Ben. I was very worried because about you know it's like that that perspective, that camera angle. It's like at the RE4 almost camera angle. I was like, I don't know mm-hmm. how you're gonna do melee combat that well with this. It works. It's really great. Yeah, if you think about the old God of War games uh, and you think about combat and the Blades of Chaos, part of the fun of the old God of War games is it would often throw you into a room and they'd have just a bunch of guys come at you. Yeah, it's your typical like door locked. You got to kill these dudes to get through it. Kind of right. Thing. And so I was worried with the new game, you would lose kind of that sense of chaos and bloodshed of just being able to unleash on enemies. Uh, but to me, at least in the new God of War, that's still very much it's there. there. Yeah. Uh, Blood, do you agree? This is actually, you have not played through any of the other God of Wars, right? Right. Yeah. So you can't really answer God of the question. This is like of- a great <laughs> other perspective to have, though. It is, yeah. yeah. So let's let's talk about the combat specifically. Let's talk about the axe, something that you can throw and mm-hmm. then call back from pretty much anywhere. Uh, are you finding the axe fun and satisfying to use? Do you find that there's a lot of nuance to it? Yeah. Uh, all of those things, I, I think it has a really, you know, uh, a good... Uh, sense of uh, feel you know like when you're making hits um, a light attack versus a heavy, heavy attack and how those feels um, you know we, we kind of uh, before uh, we got on here we were talking about you know like when you do like there's these, these light little like boomerang throws that you can do mm-hmm. and like there's, a, there's that feels right and then it's equally like when you do like an overhand cleave and you just like go through a guy's shoulder like that oh my just, god yeah there's a really good sense good of that too. like everything that you do has a, a sense of power like when you block with the shield like it's like yeah like you just feel like you knock that thing out of the way yeah um and uh, i think that all works the other thing i think is really uh it's it's a weird thing to uh, to notice, uh, but when you actually die, when Kratos goes down, it's like you feel it. There's just like this big thud. It's like everything just drops out yep. at that yes. moment. It's like oh crap, okay. And there are enemies that will one shot you. Like there are guys that you have to evade those hits, or, or you just like mm-hmm. all right, start over, mm-hmm. go go at it again. Yeah, um, a, a big thing for me is just the way that Kratos screams when you get those big hits in. When you're charging it up and he's going... Yes, 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 yes. It feels... You feel it, dude. So good. Mm -hmm. Uh, When he... Because you're right, he just kind of goes... And then it just builds and builds and builds. And then as he brings the axe down on somebody... uh, It is exceptionally satisfying. Uh, Um, You're talking about the shield as well. Yeah, I love the shield. I feel like any game that can do this at this level... Always feel good, but you can you can parry enemies, and that becomes really mm-hmm. important because you create an opening for yourself. And the clang that the shield makes uh, when you get it just right, the way that it slows down, it just feels like such a huge reward for like, yes, you got it right. Now unleash into this guy. So you combine the satisfaction of getting that defensive parry, and you go right into the Kratos scream with the axe. It's just such a viscerally satisfying thing. How could you not enjoy it? Uh, but you were going to say something. Uh, yeah. Well, the other the other uh, element to that I think's been really interesting are the uh, the runic attacks. Mm. And so these these are kind of like more they're like ice spells essentially for the most part. Yeah. Uh, but they they all ha- they all have different feels, and so mm-hmm. you have a you have a you can equip a light and a heavy, um, 
And, and it's been really interesting trying to find the ones that like work the yeah. best yes. for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, the heavy that I've been using a lot lately, uh, you just I think it's called like uh, like ice troll frenzy or I is for, that I for, the, where he slams it. Yeah, you just basically just start smashing the ground. Oh, when the ice comes up. Yeah, is that that one? Oh, or you just or is it the one where you just keep hitting like? R2 yeah, you just keep. Hit, yeah, okay, you can yeah. upgrade it and, and 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 get in like two more hits, and you're just like smashing like everything yeah, that's that right sweet. in front of you with like frost spreading out around it, and it just it feels so good to do that. Uh, and then I just got another one um, that it's like uh, it's like a laser beam focused oh, straight out from you. Shoots, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's shooting a laser yeah, beam yeah, straight yeah. in front of you. Uh, but it's like a very narrow window, but it's really cool if you like manage to like get it to the where you can like kind of go back and forth between like two two or three guys. Yes, um, and much more so for me than past God of War games is. And granted, I I play God of War on normal. That's just what I do, and so that's where my perspective is coming from. But in past God of War games, I feel like I would get a lot of upgrades. Like you could upgrade so many things, but I would I would use a couple of them. I just didn't feel. Like, it was necessary in most encounters to get through the story uh, to switch up all that much. Oh, yeah. I mean, you could beat it with square, square, triangle, like, the whole game. That's essentially what I'm saying. Yeah, that's essentially what I'm saying. I feel like in the new God of War game, there are certain situations and certain fights where I really... And granted, some of these things that I'm talking about are completely optional, but there were certain situations and certain fights where I had to go back, go into the menu, and really take a close look at everything I had and Mm -hmm. try out different combinations. And to me, that is a huge success. Because failing at something miserably and then going in and really taking a close look at it, doing it a little bit better, then changing it up yet again and succeeding, like it, it was a level of strategy that I didn't think I'd be applying to God of War and that felt so 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 yeah. so good. And I think one thing that's good about uh, the way those uh, skills are, are laid out is you know you mentioned square square triangle I've only seen so far one where it's like a button combo like that. Like right. most of it like fits mm-hmm. into the context of whatever else you're doing. It's like okay combine a dodge backwards with an attack combine a dodge forwards with an attack you know right. combine a sprint with an attack Rather than remembering, okay, like, do I push light three times and then heavy four times? Like, what is, you know, like, so I feel like that's definitely, like, a more natural evolution of that combat system. Yeah. Going to throw this to both of you at the same time, whoever has a a thought first. But a big thing about this game uh, that I would say is is very unique to it is how versatile this axe is. I mean, this is something oh, yeah. that if you're good enough, you can you can hit a guy way in the distance by throwing it. Um, you can throw it as people are running at you. You can hit their legs. You can hit their heads. Uh, do you find yourself in the midst of combat feeling the need to throw the axe very often? I threw it quite a bit when I was playing. I did play on the harder difficulty. Or sometimes I was like, I need to like kind of zone this guy a little bit to think about what yeah. I'm going to do here just to buy some time. But I feel like on certain enemies, like throwing the axe is a much more valuable thing to do than certain enemies. Like for some of the dudes, you know, you throw the axe, it gets stuck on the head and they, they get frozen for a little bit. So right. a little crowd control is somewhere like that. So yeah. yeah, all the time I was doing it. Yeah, I think sometimes, yeah, throwing the axe isn't so much about throwing the axes. It's about switching to uh, melee and shield. You know, it's... Uh, it really like there. There are enemies that are just better to hit with your fists yeah. yes. than with the axe. 
blood, I'm so <laughs> glad that you brought it up because that dynamic alone, the reason why enemies are some enemies are better to hit with your fist is because there's a stun gauge in this game. And so uh, you will fill up the stun gauge more if you're using the fist in most cases. And there are bigger guys that have a lot of health. And so what you want to do is you want to build up the stun gauge and do a powerful move that you get for filling that stun gauge up. And that is extremely useful. And that dynamic alone, uh, I think more so than other God of War games, uh, I feel I think I've played... Yeah, I've played through... All of them? Yeah. Yeah. I actually don't know. I was thinking about it because I said this last time on Freddy's Trap. I think I got to the very, 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 very end of God of War 2 and I didn't finish it. What? Which I Whoa. didn't remember. Yeah. Oh, I was at like, man. It was like one of those things where I was like at the... The end of the game, it was one of those situations that I just didn't finish it. I think that's the only one. I thought I'd finished it, but I don't think that's true. So I that think God of War 2. That with Final Fantasy 15. Yeah. It was like I went back like six months later and was like, oh, <laughs> that was the end of the game. I was like, okay. <laughs> yeah. So I think I, I don't think I've seen the very end of God of War 2, and so i got to go and f- do that. Because God of War 2 is my favorite one, uh, and so I just oh need to God, go and see the ending. Oh, my God, the ending of God of War 2 is so yeah. good. Yeah. I got to the very end. I don't... I think I got stuck... And okay. then it was like, oh, I'm going to come back to this. And then I just, just never yeah. came back to it, gotcha. is what happened. Uh, but anyway, in God of War, back to the point at hand. I think the enemy compositions are really well done for the mm-hmm. most part. Mm-hmm. Uh, they will throw in guys where they're really fast and agile, and you'll need to cleave through them with the axe as quickly as possible. Along with that, you'll have these big hulking guys that you want to fill up the stun gauge for. On top of that, they'll have guys throwing projectiles at you. Um, and just... Trying to kind of break down the combat encounter and deal with one threat at a time and it, like assess priority is really fun in the moment. Yeah. Uh, the other thing that I like is that I always hate it in games where they start throwing the bigger dudes at you and it's like, man, there are no simple encounters anymore. There are no yeah. moments where I'm just kind of cleaving through guys and feeling powerful. Like, yes, it's nice to have big threats that are hard to take down but you also want moments where you're just kind of just killing things in a couple of hits because it makes the bigger moments more special exactly exactly and i think god of war does a good job of kind of alternating between those different situations where it's not every fight takes forever like there are Mm -hmm. just some moments where it's like nope that dude's up there i throw that axe okay it's over that was quick and satisfying yeah for sure yeah Uh, i say the one thing um and this, again, comes from somebody who hasn't played the past games. But it, the one thing that is a little bit of a disappointment for me is just the... Uh, uh, and, and, it, and I'm sure as I get farther in, I'll see more enemy types. But, you know, with the limited enemy types that I've seen, I feel like there's just a, a limited amount of those those death animations, those times when, like, Kratos rips something apart. It's like, okay, this enemy is, like, every time it's going to be the exact same thing. Mm, that's like, something that's plagued old God of Wars forever. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I was like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna get that exact shoulder rip. I'm gonna get that exact head stomp like every time. The thing I will say in defense of that is they're much quicker in this game than mm-hmm. they were in past God of War games. You know, like sure. some of like the old God of War games, you're like pushing two quick time event buttons, then you're like spamming circle on one guy. But in this one, it's just kind of like bah! real quick, rip some dude in half or yeah. something like that. Yeah, there are also moments uh, that it's not always, hey, I I stun them, I'm going to finish off the rest of their health. It's 
I'm going to like whip this guy around and run around with him and charge him into other dudes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I, I like Those that are really good. because it's just, no, focus on the big guy and then use him as a tool yeah, to, to take out a bunch of the other Especially when guys. you're really low on health. It's like, okay, that's very yeah, useful that's, right now. That's like yeah. super, that's like classic God of War too. You yeah. do that in like 3 m and stuff like that. We, yeah. should, we should mention that too, that like you have to really be careful of your health. Like, you do. You, like there, there's a limited amount of health gems that'll be in an arena, and then uh, you might get a perk uh, or two that will will also help you out. But in in general, like enemies can take you down pretty quick, and if you're low on health, then you're probably going to be low on health until you beat that fight. Um, let's talk about equipment really quick because mm-hmm. I think it's an important question, yeah. and and it is extremely different from God of uh, the past God of Wars. Is you're not just switching out weapons. There are there's a lot of equipment. Uh, mm-hmm. You're you're switching out gear for Kratos. You're switching out gear for your son. Uh, you've got talismans. You've got like socketed items that you need to fill yeah. up. Axe handles. Yeah, and so you end up. There were a lot of moments for me where I was like, okay, what do I got? Oh, I got all this stuff. Okay, let's take a look at it. What does this do? What does this increase? Uh, did you find that enjoyable? Did you find the gear system useful, or was it tedious? Was it too much to sift through? No, I didn't think it was very tedious or anything mm-hmm. like that. I thought it was kind of rewarding, dude. Because if you go out of your way in the game, you can get some nice stuff to help you through your adventure. And like, some of the armor has like little benefits that can help you out. They're there could be certain things that uh, help to your more playstyle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's like what six to eight like different components that uh, uh, your your armor sets count towards. So like it can obviously it can give you defense or strength. or it can give you like more health. Runic, right. more yeah. Strength is like combat Luck. attack power. It can lower power. your cooldown time. As yeah, well, cooldown attack. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm not exactly sure what luck actually it does, but you never you, do. It gives you like a chance. I know there might be some other part to give you more uh, XP on a kill sure. or something like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I honestly, yeah, personally, I, I have found um, the crafting and skill trees to be a little bit overwhelming. Yes. Um, in, especially in the beginning, because like I feel like with skill trees that like I'm just like, Oh, okay. I've got like ten things that I can unlock right now, and like I just want to get used to one move. <laughs> right. You know, like I want a new move, and I want to get used to it, and then implement it into my style, and then like get in the next move. Um, but you know, obviously, like as you start filling out those skill trees, then it's like that happens less and less. Yeah, I think the game does a good job introducing those things to you throughout the game. I, yeah. I never felt like at a point where I was like, I don't know what to do, kind of thing like that. I never really felt overwhelmed with any of it. Yeah, I. I- I think the thing for me is not that it was hard to understand. Um, I think for the most part it's good. And I think it fits kind of what we were talking about earlier, where when you're switching up your skills, you might also want to go and be like, okay, for this fight I want a little bit more health or defense. Mm-hmm. So it kind of it kind of fits that thing that they're very clearly going for and making you switch things up or to be more versatile in fights. The problem that I have is as I was going through, I'd be like, okay, well, you know, I, I have a chance to upgrade my gear here. I'm going to do that. And then I would go into the world and I would get a chest or I'd have to like figure out how to get a chest, which mm-hmm. would have a new piece of equipment in it. I'd be like, oh, cool, a new piece of equipment. Oh, it's it's worse than what I have. Mm-hmm. And so that happened, I think, enough times for me uh, where that feeling kind of was a little bit disappointing right. because they, they put such... 
a great level of presentation on the chest when you see them. Mm-hmm. They're big, they're they're grandiose. You're like excited about it, and so and I think when some you get of them there, have to kind of solve little small puzzles to figure, you know, to get into them. Right, and uh, I want to, I do want to talk about the puzzles because I think it's actually a, a high point of the game for sure. Uh, but that that moment uh, was a little bit disappointing to me, and I, I felt like there were stretches of that game where I wasn't really progressing with gear. Like I was getting stuff, but it wasn't all that worthwhile and I don't want to get stuff all the time I think it would be a bad decision if you were constantly having mm-hmm. to go and, and change things out and so I do think it is a difficult thing to balance uh, but that, yeah. that sense of discipline well I think, I think one of the, like what you're saying is like one of the things that's kind of tricky to balance is like okay do I craft a new piece of armor or do I spend my resources to upgrade something I already have and figuring out where that balance lies right because you know some of the things that you have are, I, I got uh, a set of bracers from a side quest and I'm like I have felt no need to move on from that set of bracers. Like, right. those things are great. Uh, something I do want to commend, and I think is extremely important in gear, uh, is there is a strong visual component to it in God of War yeah. that is very, very effective. Every single jump that you kind of make in terms of tiers of gear, mm-hmm. you feel it. Like, there's a pretty dramatic change in the way that Kratos will look. And this goes down to even little things like the pommel of the axe yeah. will will dramatically change up uh, how things look. And so I do appreciate that. And, and as you get through the game, you kind of... There's a good progression there. Yeah, I, and, and those, again, have their own different perks and things. The one I've kind of stuck with is uh, it puts uh, shocks. Uh, it adds shock attacks into, like, it's mm-hmm. a random chance. I don't know what, what the percentage is. but mm-hmm. So, like, you not only are doing ice damage to enemies, but you'll, you'll do uh, shock damage once in a while. Um, but, yeah, there, there are all kinds of weird things. I've got, like, some perk that, like, I haven't quite figured out how to actually make use of it, but but like uh, if you run for like three seconds, you get sec- seven seconds of like aura where where enemies like can't damage you. But like mixing the two of those things together is really tricky. To where like is you it act- not damage you? Or you like don't take or maybe you like don't a- take knockback. Yeah, it's like, like hyper armor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think. Uh, since we're still talking about combat, there was. Something that I noticed that maybe it's just me because I was talking to Huber about it and it didn't seem like it was too big of a deal to him. Uh, and I'm curious what other people will think as they go through the game. Uh, but the camera is very close to Kratos, mm-hmm. uh, which is fine most of the time, uh, especially early on where it's not that you aren't fighting groups of enemies, but they're, they're not that overwhelming. Uh, as you go on throughout the game, things do get more overwhelming. You are fighting more things. And there were moments, because the camera was so close to Kratos, like, anytime I was fighting something one-on-one, it wasn't a problem. Uh, but there would be moments where something would come off screen and and attack me, and it's like, wait, what? I couldn't really get a sense of that. And they there are things in the game that are built to help that. Like, yeah. you have somebody say, like, hey, a guy coming from the left. Well, um, they also have a marker, so they have an indicator, so you they can do. see... They do. That there's a guy this direction, mm-hmm. and it turns red when he's like about to attack you. So you have that. Uh, there's also stuff I've completely forgot to keep using it. Is the uh, there's a quick turn? Yeah, yeah. So there you can turn. instantly turn around. Also, um, uh, you're like if you're facing the camera and you put your shield up, you will immediately like do a 180 as well. Um, you're like you never that- see the front of that shield. That I admittedly uh, was not using very well. And so that's that could be just the reason why it wasn't working for me. But I, I just found moments where 
I would get hit by something, and the 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 block like. If they hit you from the side, mm-hmm. it will still count as a hit. And yeah. sometimes it, it feels like kind of an edge case where you're not sure. Um, and so there were moments where I was like, man, I wish I could just deal with this more effectively. And the way other games do it is they're more generous with the block, where if you're holding block, okay, something's coming at you from like the side, you're automatically going to block it. And there were moments where I wish there was that sort of system in place because it just felt difficult to deal with the threats that I was dealing with. And I think a way around that could be having the camera be a little bit less sticky, but there were definitely moments, especially in big groups, where switching targets felt a little bit awkward. Like, it was hard to get to exactly the thing mm, that I sure. wanted. Sure. I didn't use lock-on a lot of the game. I you feel like, for same for me, like I'm that. not yeah. really using lock-on. I think lock-on. it was, like, fine without using it. Okay. See, I, I use the lock-on a lot, and I... Thought that there were several times because I, I was, like, I was using lock on a little game. more, and I was like, okay, I don't need this though, because like I did sure. run into your show. I was like, oh, yeah. I'm trying to hit this guy. Right. I was like, oh, I just ditched it, and I was fine okay. the rest of the game. Interesting. So you guys didn't really have any sort of problems with the camera being too close. No, or I like had that? like maybe honestly like one or two parts of the whole game where I was like, dang, wish I could see a little better. Mm-hmm. I was like, I was. Because I was playing on a hard difficulty, I was, like, super conscious about where I was standing, like, the whole time and moving around a lot. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if that's just because I was playing on a hard difficulty and I was, like, really focusing on that. But I could, I mean, I could see examples of, like, that happening to people like that. Sure. There was, like, one part where I was trying to block and I got hit on the side. I was like, yeah. Okay. So you don't, you don't think I'm completely crazy? No, I don't think no, you're no, completely no. crazy or anything okay. like that. But, like, yeah. I mean, it wasn't as big of a problem for me. But what you're but saying. I could, I, could I, see, I, think, I could see that, though. For yeah. People. I think the closed camera definitely heightens the sense that like you need to keep your distance mm. yeah. like if you're gonna take these guys on you need to take get your distance you need to get to a position where you can see a group of guys that you're gonna be focused on and know that the guys behind you are not gonna be right up on top of you uh, and I think the game gives you a lot of tools to like get out of that scenario too like you yeah. can yeah. roll back real quick like that like we said it has the markers it turns red if someone's gonna hit you the spaces the aren't super tight yeah the space they often give you a lot of room to move around yeah, and it, it is very reassuring, not only in terms of skills and abilities that you get. Mm-hmm. There are so many that are useful that you forget that you have them. Yeah. But, but you're right. Uh, things like the quick turn are there, and I appreciate the level of effort the game went to to kind of address these things. And it gives you other tools, like with the shield, you could use a move that like knocks people back if you need a little yeah. space yep. like that. You need a space to, you got to trip someone, you could do that, or you freeze someone in place. Tripping somebody and then the cleave? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty good. When yeah, I mean, blood gets excited about a kill, <laughs> you know it's a good kill. I wouldn't say it's obviously perfect or anything like that, but it gives you a lot of tools to help you get around a lot of the issues. Sure. Uh, it's okay. I, the, the way I translated that is, you know, you guys are pros. You know, they're oh, yeah. the best. We are sponsored. That's Big right. MLG Bloodworth. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Big MLG Brad. <laughs> I understand. No problems. Hard difficulty. Uh, let's talk about the puzzles because there are a lot of them. Yeah, there are a lot of puzzles. Uh, both puzzles that you need. Nervous about puzzles, but sure. What's that? I'm a little nervous to talk about puzzles too much, but yeah, yeah I don't want to get into specific puzzles. Sure. Uh, yeah, I don't want to bring up ruin specific anything. examples. But there are puzzles. I don't think it's it's mm-hmm. too ruinous to say there are puzzles. And, yeah. uh, what, in a general sense, what did you what did you think about them? Did I you think enjoy they going were much quicker puzzles than the last God of War games, mm. where you like you know you'd spend like 20 minutes sitting in a room God of War. I was talking to Mike about this, and he said they kind of felt like brain teases almost a little something like that. They're not like 
a lot of times they're not like super complicated processes. It's just like a couple little few little things here and there, and you're usually good. Mm. Like uh, some of them, you know, you're just throwing your axe at something like that. Yeah. But it's like turn in a little angle maybe like that that'll help you get that puzzle matching up letters which i i I feel like i kind of have a little bit of an advantage of because you know i i i have learned to to read uh that style of runes so like i can identify (laughs) what no 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 no, no. we're not just moving (laughs) on we've talked about this before on frame okay that's probably true but (laughs) hit me again so when i was uh in high school uh, the Hobbit has a, those runes on the outside of the book, uh-huh. and so when I got the book from the library, like I spent the first, you know, two two and a half hours like figuring out, I like because I, I could read some of it, I could like make out that like okay, that says Hobbit, and like I want to read the rest of the thing and see what it says, um, and so like I spent like two hours or so like deciphering it based on there's a little bit of a like foreword that talked about the runes, mm-hmm. and then like from there. Like they they gave me a couple of them and then I like figured out the rest that were on the front of the book and then eventually I think um, Lord of the Rings and the appendices like had like a whole list or something like that uh, but but it's a little tricky in God of War because uh, they are mixing like they have the runes but then they are actually using like the the way some of those words are spelled dude hmm. yeah. like it's like I don't even freaking know you yeah. know it's like they're actually using like you know Norse words and stuff here and there but then there are there are times where like I you know can kind of read something like dwarves, you know, written on something. That um, is so or, cool. Or Fafnir or yeah, whatever. Yeah, forget about MLG, Seriously. dude. Yeah. What's translating yeah, runes? We need it. We need it. So there's MLG, right? And then there's like this Bloodworth tier. Archaeologist. But Pro basically, gamer like, and can read runes. Like, but but where it comes down though is like with with a lot of the puzzles where like you're trying to match up letters. It's easier for me to like conceptualize that because it's not just some weird sticky thing. It's like. Okay, I need like a C, a P, and a U, and like got it. So like, go looking for the CPU or whatever. So, mm. okay. Uh, one thing that I want to talk about, and <clears throat> it's funny because I feel like I'm I'm bringing up minor critiques for the sake of conversation. Sure. But there's also there's like a little boy inside of me that just wants to scream about God of War. But for the sake of conversation, just thinking about things that. Uh, did get to me a little bit in the game is there are, are chests that you need to open and uh, there are runes that you need to kind of find in the world and you you need to hit them. And the way that they use that puzzle is oftentimes very interesting mm-hmm. because maybe you'll have to manipulate the environment or maybe there will be a, a clever place that you have to look and you have to kind of figure out why they want you to look there. Sometimes um, you have like a limited time to hit them. Yes, yeah. the limited time to hit them and... Sometimes it's just raw dexterity where it's like, okay, I can see everything. How do I make this happen? And then it's like a puzzle like, oh, no, I have to do this in a certain way in order to be able to hit the runes fast enough to open the chest. Uh, But there were several moments throughout the game, and they they do use this rune puzzle to open chest thing quite a bit. Uh, There were moments where it's like, okay, I found two of the three runes. Yep. And I know this third rune is here, and it's just one of those things where it, it may even be obvious, but I, just for whatever reason, I can't find it. Right. And so I'm, like, sitting there looking around. Was, mm. was one of them the one by the Thor statue? The, the extra Thor statue that was kind of tucked away outside of the main... No. Little, okay. <laughs> no. I, no. There's something else there that would probably make it more obvious what I'm talking about, but I don't want to spoil that. So, yeah. <laughs> But... Um, uh, uh, but yeah, there there is an area over there where uh, I was uh, always like a uh, yeah I can probably say Dwarf King Castle and that doesn't spoil mm-hmm. that thing because you don't actually see a Dwarf King. But um, the uh, 
uh, yeah, I got uh, it was a similar thing. Where it was like I got two of them, and then like just kept doing circles trying to find the third one. Right. And it wasn't like it was someplace that was totally unexpected. It was just like behind things to where like you had to be at the right angle and look in a direction that you weren't normally going to be focused on. Yeah. And, and, and so I think the ultimate point there for me, and it's nice to hear you agree with that. Uh, the ultimate point there for me is it's a very cool idea and it's used in creative ways and they, they get a lot of mileage out of it. But at a certain point in the game, I was like, OK, I, I, I think I'm ready to move on. Uh, from this from scavenger got, hunt kind of thing. Yeah. You know? and I, Without I got, a, there's not a clue either. It's just like look around. Right. And it should be said that this is optional stuff. You don't need to get in right. those chests, but you want to get in those chests. I mean, let's be real. <laughs> uh, Brad, did you find yourself getting sick of that scavenger hunt as well? Um, I feel like they never took that long, though. Sure. I, I was not, not like for, not for, for like, energy brand. Honestly, they took me like maybe the hardest one I got stuck on was maybe 10 minutes. Okay. Where I was looking for it. That yeah. wasn't enough for me to get like freaked yeah. out about it. I, I agree with you. Or I think that, there were a couple or if that I took was like annoyed with something, I'd be like, oh, I'll just come back later or something like that. I'll, I'll figure it out later. Sure. Brad, I, I feel like uh, <laughs> we should play more things together because you'd just be like that voice of reason. I can be very bullheaded, I've found, when it comes <laughs> to games, which can be good. Uh, a lot of times when it comes to bosses, it'll be good. Oh, sure. yes. But speaking of bullheaded. Yeah. So there's a place. Fairly early on, uh, where you spawn these two guys that can one-shot you, and uh, I, 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 the the first time I, I, I was there, I was like, yeah, I'm not gonna try to fight these guys right now. But then I went over, I, I went off. I had done some side quests, I had done some main quests, and then when I, I, I kind of came back into that area, I'm like, I'm gonna go see if I can fight those guys now. They could still one-shot me, but like mm-hmm. this time, it was like. Nah, I can take them. It's like possible. So I spent like 30 minutes until so, I took them, you know? <laughs> did you did you realize, because uh, they don't, maybe they outright explain it to you. I don't remember them outright explaining it to you. Those guys, there's as you equip gear, you'll have a, a level, like a total level. Yeah, for light level. And the there are some spots in the world where it's like, oh, these guys are like three or four levels above me and they'll have different colored bars yeah, depending yeah. on their okay so you got all that figured out all right great good job buddy. but it was like yeah i don't i don't need to wait i could probably come back here later and do this easily but i'm gonna yeah i'm gonna right. take these guys on now yeah there there are a couple of moments and i like uh that they do that where you're not sure if you're quite strong enough to do yeah. it and they might beat you a couple of times but if you play well enough, you can. Yep. You can get to right. Also, there really was something good. that really surprised me. Um, yeah. I uh, there you get like these little treasure map things sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I got a treasure map for a place I had already been to, so I was like, oh, okay, I got to go back. Funny thing was, I went back to the wrong place. I like misread like the location. Mm. Went back into the completely wrong area. Uh, but when I went back in there, it was like, wait a minute, like. The enemies in here are way harder than the first time I went through this space. Mm. It's like so I don't know how often that happens to where if you revisit an old location, like you'll just have to There's deal some with harder guys. Yeah. There's some mix ups. Um I I wanna be very careful about this because I, I don't want to ruin it and I, I think there are Oof. it's a strong point of the game. Uh is there are optional activities, you could call them side quests if you want, yeah. in God of War. Uh, and the only thing that I want to say to people, and I think we'll get into a bigger, more detailed discussion about this later once some more time has passed, 
The only thing that I recommend to people is that you go and you, you do those things and you, you go out of your way to, to seek them out and you give them a chance um, because I think they may surprise you. That is really the only thing that I want yeah, to say about that well uh, moving on. Uh, and also, we're 35 minutes into the show. I feel like we could spend another 35 minutes talking <laughs> about God of War. We haven't talked at all about the story or the relationship between Kratos and his son or the setting or I don't anything want to touch like that. any of that, dude. Exactly. I'm scared. Yeah. I don't want to touch any of that. Brad's hitting the nail on the head. We don't want to get into that uh, too much right now. There, there is scheduled, more detailed God mm-hmm. of War conversations coming along the way. We just kind of wanted to give you a, a sense taste. of how we're feeling, talk about the mechanics, uh, because I think I don't think a lot of that stuff has been uh, tremendously explored. So it was one, nice one thing going uh, before we close that out on, yeah. on that because we didn't really talk too much about exploration. Um, I, there's been a lot of like weird back and forth about whether this is an open world game or not, or you know, or a linear game like Old God of Wars. Right. I don't think either one of those categories f- fits this game. Uh, to me, this is more like uh, like an older Zelda game. Like you have these kind of bigger spaces that you can explore and go back and forth yeah. to. Uh, you're you're not blocked out from many parts of the world, if any parts of the world that I can think of. Uh, but uh, but it's not like you just go off and pick a direction. Like it's it's very kind of designed pathways and spaces and, and all of that. So yeah, I think more like more like an older Zelda game is probably a better better yeah. concept. Absolutely. Brad, did you have any other closing thoughts, or are you ready? To no, move on? dude, I don't want to talk. I don't want to talk about anything. I'm scared. But you liked it. I did like. I did like it a lot. You like it a lot. I like it a lot. You like it a lot. I liked it. I was like, I want to wake up early and play. Yeah, yeah. isn't that exciting? Yeah, like that doesn't happen that often for yes. me, so it's nice. Brad, I actually think that is a good note to end on because that is a feeling that I had as well, where I was so into God of War, I was having such a good time that it was. It was a game I just couldn't wait to play. Like, mm-hmm. when I wasn't around it, I wanted to go and I wanted to play it and I wanted to get my hands on it. Uh, and that is always good. It's 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 invigorating to have a game like that. A lot of moments where I was like, okay, I'll stop it, like, this time, you know? Right. Get to that time. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, I'll yeah. give you 30 minutes more. I'm right. like, yeah, maybe an hour more. Right. Uh, yeah, it was one of those things. When it ended, I just was like, take me take me back. Take me back to that place. Blood, I want to move on. To you, because you've got a game that I'm so fascinated by, okay. and that game is Minute. Yeah. Tell me about Minute, Blood. <laughs> uh, so, so as the name suggests, uh, you are given uh, a minute at a time to, to play this game. It's like an old school, like super old school Zelda game. Top down, mm. uh, you kind of move like screen by screen around the map. And uh, what, what happens right at the beginning, it, it almost feels like it's taken straight out of Link's Awakening, is you find a sword on a beach... But when you pick up that sword, it's cursed. And so you have 60 seconds countdown. <laughs> and at the end of 60 seconds, you die. And when you die, you respawn back at your house. And so most of the world kind of resets, like enemies and bushes and trees and stuff that you've chopped down resets. Uh, but then you keep uh, like key items. And there's some other things that are kind of like, like progression-based stuff. So it's, it's one of these things where... You have those 60 seconds to figure out what you're going to do next and get it done uh, or like find a hint or whatever. And, and there are times that the game kind of trolls you too where there's this old guy by a lighthouse 
and he starts talking and it's just like the slowest text crawl. <laughs> That's super and funny. he just keeps talking and he keeps talking. It's like if you want to get the if you want to get the hint that guy has, you've got to basically wait turn. a whole minute. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, Blood. <coughs> it's such a inventive premise for a game that when I think through it, though. I, I envision having moments where it's like, oh, man, like for this life, I, I, I accomplished nothing. Mm-hmm. And I feel like if you have too many of those times, it could get discouraging and you wouldn't want to kind of keep beating your head against it. And so the game would have to be designed in such a way where you kind of feel like you're always taking little steps forward, even if, you know, ultimately you're failing. So how successful is it at doing that? I think it really is very successful at that because I, I think... Uh you know, because like the first thing I did with it was I like you know I just streamed it for an hour, mm-hmm. but like, like that hour was just gone. Oh, because you're just constantly on that like rush, that push to like okay, I've, I've got to make the most use of my time that you don't even you stop realizing like that's happening. Right. Um. And uh, the uh, uh, the other thing that I think is really good, and I I mentioned this in the review as well, is uh that. Like Zelda, you get items that like give you new abilities and allow you to go to new places, but it's never about like let me go into the menu and switch from the glove to the boomerang or anything like that. Like everything is like additive to your like base abilities. Oh, that's good. Yeah. So you know, it's like okay, you you've got a sword, and now you have a, an ability that lets you chop down trees with your sword. You know, it's like you you uh, you and you get a thing that like lets you like push boxes but you don't need to change equipment to do that uh and so like i think that stuff like all ends up working out really well so there's like only like a handful of items that like you like put your sword down and you'll pick up something else to use for a puzzle gotcha um but yeah most of the time it works really well the other thing that works uh well in in this design is there are multiple multiple homes so basically multiple respawn points so, like, when you get to a new house, it's like, okay, good. Like, I've got a new central location. I, I start fanning out from there and figuring out what's around this area mm-hmm. rather than always getting pulled back to the same starting point. Uh, and, and there are some other uh, shortcuts and secrets. And, and, and I think that's one of the things that's really surprising is uh, the amount of uh, secrets that the game does have. Because uh, I remember, I, I you know, I had gotten a pretty good ways in before... I found my first coin, mm-hmm. and then, uh, and then I came across a guy that was like, "Okay, you you know you can get the you can get the fast running shoes Ooh. if you give me seven coins." I'm like, "Oh crap! Mm-hmm. Like I gotta find a lot more coins." And then there's a lot more than seven coins in the game, so it's you know, and, and the way a lot of those things are, are hidden is 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 pretty tricky, pretty diabolical sometimes. But it was one of those games where like it was so quick and it was so fun that like yeah, I played. Played through the whole game like three or four times in one night to, sure. to get everything. Wow. Uh, two questions. Do you ever get anything that just straight up lets you move faster? Is that necessary? Uh, yeah. Yeah, that is, that's what I was saying. The, the, the item that gives you seven coins. Oh, the boots. Yeah. Okay, I must have just completely missed that. <laughs> so we get that question. So you actually do... There's actually a couple of spots, too, where like it's impossible to, to get to progress. an item without... Without the boots. Not to progress. That's the other thing that's really... What's really good about this, too, is... You don't need everything that's in the game to beat, to beat the game. it. Cool. Yeah. So w- one of the things that you know you you can do is basically sort of you know speed run it. Figure out like how quickly 
Is there a way to, to kind of get a perfect run where it's like, okay, I, I did get everything, I saw everything, and I finished it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That's that that's part of it as well. So Okay. And do you get do you get a different sort of reward or ending for, for doing it in different ways? Uh yeah. There there's I, I, without going uh too spoiler in it, there are multiple alternate new game pluses, I guess I could say. Multiple alternate. Whoa. Okay. Yeah. Very interesting. Uh, another question. When you're first starting the game, visually, I mean, is it is it overwhelming with what it's trying to communicate with you? Because I, I can imagine just having that minute is stressful enough on its own. Uh, so do you feel like, oh, man, where do I go? Or, or is, is it sort of teasing you to check out certain things in a certain order? Like, how does it, like, when you first jump in, what are you kind of drawn to, I guess? Uh, well, I think when you first jump in it you, you you kind of do see your limitations like you do see like okay there's a line of bushes that i i can't get past so it's like you know that you need the sword to so get it's kind of bushes. a process of elimination yeah and That's then right. uh okay. you know there's another area where you know it just it's pitch black so it's like okay i gotta figure out how i'm gonna light this up you know and and then there's a spot where there's guys on the other side of a river and somebody's saying like if you kill the guys then uh you know, then I'll make a bridge for you to cross the river. Then it's like, okay, well, I need some kind of projectile. You know, so you you, you really do kind of naturally get those hints. It's just about okay, well, I I I know what I need to do to get past this for the most part. Um, but it's just like, yeah, where is that? Where's that item? You know, and then remembering to to go back and use it. But again, it's such a, a small game, small world that you know it doesn't take you long to like figure out. You know, like like even though you backtrack a lot like it doesn't feel tedious mm. how much is this 10 bucks 10 bucks 10 bucks baby. yeah what a reasonable cool price. 10 this i i put a star next to this one <laughs> <laughs> that little star that i made next to minute is like hey i need to i need to go check buy that out this. yeah <laughs> what drew you to minute like how did you how did you find out about it what made you want to play through it uh well i found out about it booking e3 appointments last year um, the benefits of booking because i'm sure yeah. it's it's mostly like overwhelming and yeah. stressful but you get to see mm-hmm. everything that's gonna be yeah, there. yeah. so i yeah i played i played a little bit of it at uh my, my devolver press appointment last year um and so yeah once it was coming up it's like oh yeah i want to i want to review that game yeah good stuff nice uh, Brad, you also, I, I was getting the rundown for Frame Trap. I, I, came, I always come to these guys before the show and I say, hey, what do you want to talk about? And Brad said, hey, I've been playing Rise of the Tomb Raider, yep. uh, which is awesome. Yep, trying to catch up on my backlog, man. Nice. Yeah. So is that away. it? Is it just checking boxes? It's a game I've had. And I was like, mm-hmm. I need to get to this one day. And okay. the time was right. And I was like, oh, let's get to this right now. Did yeah. you play the 2013 yes, Tomb Raider? Yes, I did. Okay. Did you like it? Uh, Yeah. yeah How I do, do you like feel it. about Rise of the Tomb Raider? Uh... Good. I have problems with it. I think the story is super forgettable and boring. Oh, yeah. The story is so bad. I think all the characters are pretty bad. Like, I'm not interested in anything. I think the gunplay is not great either. I think mm. it's okay. It's serviceable, I yeah. guess. I'm just kind of like, eh. But uh, the strength of the game, I think, is the op- the open world kind of nature of it. Mm-hmm. Like, I know these two games get uh, compared all the time rightfully so like uncharted and uh tomb raider it's kind of like, curving off each other a little yeah, bit yeah like <laughs> tomb raider's kind of going for this more like you're in an area 
here you can explore and find things, but there's, you know, your story objectives over here. You'll go, you'll do your set pieces and everything over there kind of thing. I think the best part of this game is just kind of exploring these optional areas. There's tombs yeah. that you can explore that have like fun little puzzles within them uh, that you'd kind of expect in an Uncharted game, mm-hmm. except that you'd have to go through these. These are optional if you want. You get like a nice little reward for doing them, which is great. I so, found the tombs to be super creative as well. Yeah. Like they really I, are that's the highlight. The thing, like with the, the main story and everything like that, there's nothing like that really. There's like, I haven't really, I'm only about, I'm a little more halfway through the game right now. I haven't run into anything in the story that's been like, here's this like sweet puzzle or something like that. It's more just like, shit's falling down and everything. Like, get out of there. Kind of like set pieces, which is fine. Yeah. But the, uh, cause the game gives you the other stuff I want too on the side. So I'm having like a way more fun kind of doing that, just exploring environments, killing killing your animals, you know, upgrading stuff, the t- uh, typical Ubisoft thing you expect. You sure. know, it's not. I'm trying to remember what was this game or the one before it. Is there like a place early on where you fight a bear? Yeah, it's this yeah, game. It's, it's like really It's Rise of the Tomb Yeah, it's Rise yeah, of the Tomb yeah. uh, I was really annoyed where like you skin the bear and then the bear is not skinned. <laughs> Like it's still just sitting yeah, there. Yeah, like what? Sure. Why did we, why did this happen? Yeah. <laughs> why even do this? Uh, <laughs> I have all the DLC apparently because I got the PS4 when it comes comes mm. with everything. Oh, okay. And there's nice. a bunch of outfits. Well, not really because it took a year later to get that. I'm just right. kidding. But uh, just kidding. there's like a ton of outfits in it, which is cool, and they give you like different perks, which is fun. Like one of them, you can get uh, a higher chance when you skin an animal, you get like a, a better piece of meat or something like that that you need to upgrade. Something like that, or like, hey, maybe you. When you shoot your bow, you have a chance to like not use an arrow, something like that. Just cool little things that inspire you to mess around with gear. So, so in your overview here of Rise of the Tomb Raider, you've given me some some good things and some mediocre to bad things. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's talk about the good things. And Blood, yeah. you kind of chimed in. You, you lit up there. I saw the twinkle in your mm-hmm. eye. You talked about these tombs. You said they're very creative. In what ways are they creative? Um, I think they just do things. It's weird because it's like. I almost feel like it's a spoiler, but it's been so long now. Um, there's one tomb where it's like, uh, it's called The Voice or something. Have you been to this? Mm, I don't think so. I haven't done all of them yet. Still making my way through them. It is, so the idea is is that there's this temple that was built. It was like, yeah, The Voice of God or something like that. It was this temple that was built around like this naturally occurring uh, space where like wind was blowing through a rock formation mm-hmm. and particularly if you're playing on like a surround sound system like the audio design of that space is just almost otherworldly mm-hmm. like you start like climbing your way around the corner and you hear this sound cool. and it's like what the heck is that mm-hmm. noise and once you like actually get up to it it is just like all encompassing this uh, yeah it's it's a really really cool uh space yeah uh the tombs are kind of cool or cool ben because like they're often like little areas like a specific thing like i think one of the things i went to was like a clinic or something like that and you get like little items here you could find out kind of more about the area uh some of the puzzles like you get uh ability to like shoot your bow at something and like pull it with like a rope Mm -hmm. and you can uh use that bow to like shoot a lever and pull it and it raises something. Then you jump over here and you shoot another thing to like keep it up like that. It's like puzzles using your rope a lot. There's one I was in a boat. It was like a like a a river or like a stream going down like a pretty fast current. And there's boats you got to go through and you got to as you you don't want to go too far the boat you'll crash hit the rocks. You got to shoot it against uh, 
like wood to pull yourself along the water and you got to keep doing that kind of go through them like them they're usually like not very long either mm. they're like you know 10 minutes maybe like that good Just brain enough. teasers good brain say. teasers uh a little more puzzle than i would say than god of war i see yeah a little bit more involved. But yeah, they're just like nice little, cool little breaks you can just tackle whenever you want. You mentioned rewards. What kind of stuff are you getting? You find it worthwhile? Yeah, uh, they're like a lot of them. I think I got were like passive kind of things like that. Maybe not necessarily like a better gun or something like that. They're like permanent bonuses. I can't remember exactly like some of them, but they were just like, oh, sweet. Okay. I wouldn't have got this any other so way. So your reaction to these rewards is yeah, oh, I was sweet. like, oh, good... I was like, oh, these are worth doing. It's not like I'm just yeah. getting. Like gold when I don't need money or something like that. Right. Okay. Uh, yeah. The one thing one when you go back to the going back to the story, um, one thing that really annoyed me with the story is there would be like multiple moments when Laro is like stealthing around the the bad guy mm-hmm. and like just just kill him. Nobody knows you're there. Just kill him now. Just do it. <laughs> like and you're like you have those moves. Movie, uh, moments in movies sometimes, but it's like it's more frustrating when it's a game. Was like any other time I would have control and I could just shoot at this guy. It, it sucks, Ben, because they're like trying to tell the story and they're like they're like just the characters talk and they're talking about the story and I'm yeah. It sucks because I'm like man, I just don't I just don't care about any of this. Yeah, yeah I play. It was one of those things they when Rise of the Tomb Raider was coming out, they had this big Xbox preview event and we could play. Tomb Raider for, for a few hours. I remember even in that few hours, there were just dialogue, and you'd, you'd hear the line. I don't even remember what the exact lines were, and I was like, wait, re- really? Yeah. <laughs> that doesn't sound great. Yeah. Uh, I just remember distinct moments of that. Happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Blood, hmm. before I forget it, <laughs> your reaction to having Lara just just kill the dude, you your frustration wanting to scream at the television. <laughs> I would really love to do a video with you specifically, because I think it would be extra good. We just take a game and it's like Blood's commentary track. <laughs> and Shoot as him. somebody else is playing, they're not on camera at all, they're not talking, your frustration is coming through and you're just yelling at the screen. But um, I hold on. Go I, ahead. I will say this game's fun. I do yeah. have problems with it. But um Yeah. Or the reason looks I think you're really just gonna good. bring that up. Yeah, you, it looks you, good. Yeah, it looks good. The, the gunplay you were talking about not being very good. It's just not satisfying. What is like that? What I feel like the aiming is really bad in it. Like okay. I've constantly tweaked with the the sensitivity. Cause mm. I'm like, I can't find anything right. I can't like I don't feel really that in control with the shooting at all. I see. Like I can't I don't feel precise I gave up on trying to get like headshots or anything like that. Like mm. it could be done, of course. I'm like, eh. Do you feel like any of that is circumvented with the stealth? Yeah, the stealth helps, you know? Like, it's sure. fun being able to stealth, and you could stealth a lot of the stuff, which is cool. I like that. But I just wish it was just a little tighter. I feel like they can make an adjustment to make that franchise a whole lot better. You Did you review? I think you reviewed this, didn't you? Yeah. Okay. Do you, do you agree with Brad on the aiming, the combat? It's been so long, I don't remember that being an issue. Sure. Uh, I feel like that's an issue that I have that most people don't. Usually, like I, I see myself coming to that a lot. Where a lot of people are like, "Yeah, it's fine." Or I'm like, "I'm like, mm, yeah, yeah." I think that, it's just like I think it's just happen, a, a nitpicky right? thing for me, maybe. Sure. Yeah. No, that's that's not a problem. Uh, just I, like, I just feel sure, like in I'm a sure game where you shoot you. a lot of dudes, you know, I wish it was like a little more enjoyable for me. Yeah. Uh, oh, Brett, hold on. There's something like, weird about this game too. There's like loot boxes you can get oh. for single player. Like I was. I just like noticed this yesterday. I saw like I'm like I have loot boxes. 
It's like cracking <laughs> packs and getting cards. I'm like, what is this? I think I knew that at one point and then forgot and mm. am now bummed out that I am rediscovering this <laughs> Yeah, pack. it's like you get a currency that you spend in like a shop or something to get loot boxes. Mm. Like, this is weird. Yeah, this I is not I necessary. I don't quite remember it either. For a game where like they want you to go out and explore and like find new stuff and new weapons like that, I'm like, why are you giving me stuff and just cards right now? Right. This is, like makes me not want to explore because what's the point? Sure. Uh, Brad, my final question to you before we yes. move on is you are playing through this now. Mm-hmm. It is something that is on my backlog along sure. with, I always group these two together uh, for some reason. Uh, Rise of the Tomb Raider, mm-hmm. I need to play through and mm-hmm. Deus Ex Mankind Divided, I need mm. to play through and some distant future where I have time to play through things in my backlog that aren't like <laughs> six or less hours. Uh, sure. Would you recommend going through it now? Is it worth it? Because it seems like you have some pretty severe problems with the combat and the yeah, story, I mean, especially. My expectations are in check, though, kind of like playing with this thing. I see. Like, you could still have a really good time, you know? Because when I think about it, the, the 2013 Tomb Raider game, mm-hmm. I enjoyed. Mm-hmm. I liked it. I don't think I was quite as high on it I think as you'll other feel exactly were. the same about this one. Okay. All right. That's a like, good... You could, you'll probably enjoy it. It's a good gauge. As Mike likes to say, like, feels like a nice swimming in sevens right now at this point in time. Okay. Mm. Where where are we at in the pool? Is is the tide? Where where are we at? Is it high seven, low seven? Uh, I mean, Ellis? I haven't beat it yet, so I, I can't okay. say for sure. But like you know, mid or higher seven. Okay, so like a good, nice, yeah, like warm, seven, pleasant the old, seven. The old seven point eight, the old Damiani <laughs> a seven that you're excited to see in the summer. Yeah, yeah your special yeah, seven. Sure, house. yeah, yeah. Okay, good stuff. Good stuff. Uh, Blood, you're bringing bringing the hits today. Things I'm very interested hits. in. You got another one, uh, Little Nightmares DLC. I very much enjoyed Little Nightmares, and they've got this DLC, and I got a message from somebody. I don't know if they send it to you as well. They're like, you got to play the DLC. It's it's a huge part of the hmm. game. And that I is a face that disagrees. I agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Um, yeah, I actually have kind of been saving this up for a frame trap, and so I just played through it yesterday. Um, and I think the way it was released was a little weird because they released it in like there's three chapters and they release each chapter separately and I don't know why they didn't just put it out as one thing uh, but uh, yeah it kind of confirms my initial skepticism honestly I did not feel like Little Nightmares needed DLC mm. and this DLC kind of confirms that that this doesn't need to mm. be there when you say doesn't need DLC are you talking purity, purely from a story standpoint like hey little Nightmares from a story very- standpoint from a creativity standpoint because I feel like you know little nightmares is, it, it's one of those games that you don't necessarily expect a lot from but there is a lot of creativity and a lot of like great visual design there and uh, and, and it just really like freaks you out and gets under your skin and then you get into the DLC, and it's like, here is another character that's not as interesting and going through the same, not the same levels in terms of design, but the same area, so they look like the same levels. Mm. So, that uh, definitely sounds like a bummer. Yeah, and so they, they definitely do some new things in terms of uh, puzzles. Like there is, a, uh, like the second chapter kind of focuses a lot on kind of co-op type of things um it's still single player but like you 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 kind of work with other uh creatures in the world uh to 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 flesh out these puzzles um and then the uh, the last chapter not only gives you like 
more time in the last area of Little Nightmares, uh, which I I felt was kind of uh, abbreviated in, in the main game. Uh, but then, like, introduces some new, new mechanics, like, right at the end. Uh, but overall, it's, it, yeah, it's just kind of like I'm, I'm going through kind of the same motions. I'm not seeing, like, any new freakish new characters. Like, I'm kind of, you know, here's the long arm guy again. I got to stealth right. around him. And, and, and so it just doesn't have that same sense of wonder to me, you know, mm. uh, particularly, you know, even like going through it even like a couple of months later. You said the main character that you're playing as isn't as interesting as the character in the main game. Why is that? Um he's just like a mop-headed little kid. They even just call him the kid, I think. Like he's <laughs> like, you know, and, and and I think uh you know, neither one of them really has a face like six is like covered up in this kind of raincoat uh whereas the kid, you know, it's like his hair is kind of covering his eyes, so you just kind of like see his chin underneath. Hmm. Uh, but yeah, it, it's just—I uh, don't know—it's just not as intriguing. I mean, mechanically, like they both kind of play the same. Um, and then I also feel like what's odd is I f- think the DLC is fewer chapters, but it took me longer to play through. Hmm. Um, and I think that also kind of made it like more of a, a, a drag because I'm not getting like I'm not really experiencing new areas. I'm just dealing with puzzles that are either harder or just a little bit too obscure like i actually ended up um i actually ended up looking up things three times and and and, the, and and two of them were just like completely stupid like one of them was i forgot i had had a run button because i'm picking up the dlc right. <laughs> rather than like there's no tutorials like this is how you run it's like oh yeah that's that's why I can't make that <laughs> make that puzzle work because I'm not running. Sure. Um, and then there was another one um, where uh, it was just a matter of like reading the environment, like and, and like you had to be in like just the there were like these doors that you had to open, but you had to be in like just the right corner of the door to open it. And so like I went up to it and I tried to grab it. And it's like oh he does, I guess these don't open. And then I looked up the solution and it's like oh you open the doors. Like oh I have to be on the right corner the exact spot to like make that door open. So that was, it, yeah. So some of that stuff just felt like it wasn't necessarily the most intuitive. Hmm. When this, this person messaged me, it seemed like they were implying that there were like story relations or you got a, a stronger sense of the world of Little Nightmares through the DLC. Did you find that to be the case? Uh, yeah, it's hard because that's kind of spoilery. Yeah, I, do, I don't sure. want to spoil it. I guess the the ultimate question is the, the do, way they they do tie it in, but I honestly think the way they tie it in is kind of bullcrap. Oh, <laughs> so, bullcrap is it feels like very contrived. Yeah, okay. it just sort of comes out of nowhere, and it's like, oh, I I see, but I don't really buy it. Okay, lore purist right here, dude. Blood, this is the exact opposite way I wanted this conversation to go. Uh, Because you and I have both kind of been on the same page with Little Nightmares. Yeah. uh, Where we've we've loved it. We we think more people should play it. Uh, It's a cool little game, and this DLC does not seem like it is completely up to snuff. Uh, And the thing is, is, again, it's like it's not bad. It's not that much worse, but I think that this is a game that well, I think with most horror games, like right. you don't want just more of the same. No, you don't. You don't want you more. You really of the same. don't. I, I think it's hard though, specifically for a game like this, right? Where mm-hmm. we sort of 
We are. We're not sort of. We're living in a industry where DLC is just an expectation, right? For for everything, yeah. for a lot of things. And yeah. I, I part of me does wonder if like this is just like a contract thing. It's right. Like, okay, we're gonna publish your game, but you gotta come out with some you know some other things for people to buy. And like, oh, we'll do some DLC, I guess. Sure, but. You know, assuming that this is something that had to be done, what would you, Daniel Bloodworth, have them do? Especially when you you consider the main game so perfectly. I would at the very least, uh, and like I said, there are some some uh, some new things very very end, but I I would have introduced, uh, like n- new, like the you know those big characters, you know the big sure. like the, like I said the long arm guy and stuff like that. Yes. I would have I would have had all of those be fresh. Like I wouldn't have repeated those. Uh, may, maybe I like where your head's at. maybe the last one, but because that that is what ties into their bullcrap story thing. But um, <laughs> <laughs> but it, but it, but yeah, it's like it's not that it's not that that fun to like. Okay, here's this guy that I kind of already know this like this mechanics. Like okay, there's the swimming guy. Got it. Uh, you know, that's just like the same as the guy that was under the shoes. So. Yeah, that's, that's a huge disappointment because I think going through the main game, seeing those guys for the first time, exactly as you were saying, is a, is a huge part of the appeal because of how freaky they are. And if you just take away that element, then what then what is it really? It's just a kind of meaningless obstacle. Uh, Blood, extending the DLC question a little bit further, because you like Little Nightmares, would you want them to make a new one? Would you like the idea of Little Nightmares 2? Or would you want them to take the lessons learned and apply it to a different concept? I could see it going either way. Uh, because I do think... I do think that the world is is rich enough and complex enough to expand on it. Hmm. And I think that's what, where this DLC fails. It doesn't really expand on it that, that well. Okay. Uh, and so... I, yeah, I, I think that the possibilities of like what the main character, what Six, um, could end up doing next are are interesting. I think the um, you know possibilities for what else is this world about, what is happening outside of this little you know kind of space that they're in. I I, I definitely think that there's. There's more room to explore. It's just uh, the DLC didn't particularly do that. That's disappointing. Do you know what else is disappointing? Hmm. You, Daniel Bloodworth. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. One of the most responsible allies also triggered <laughs> the word. What was it? Well, at least that's better than me just being disappointing on my own. <laughs> the way that pause <laughs> came out. Bloodworth is never disappointing on his own. <laughs> uh... Blood, it's always an unfair question because we say many words, but do you have any idea what you said that triggered? I have an idea. What is it? Bullcrap? No. Damn. It's good, though. <laughs> it's a good guess. Mop-headed. Mop-headed. Okay. Okay. Mop-headed. Yeah, I guess the demons just don't, don't, like, mop don't like that style for some reason. Uh, anyway, what this is, if this is not making any sense to you, uh, we just... Take this time, we, we play a little game, we say it's the demons of the frame trap realm. Somebody will say a word that, that triggers it, and we go into this other dimension to play a little game, to break up the flow of the show, and also to talk about our lovely sponsors. Mm-hmm. Now, I always like to tease the game before we get into the sponsors, and uh, sometimes the games are a little bit more involved, but sometimes it's just the simple ones that work well. 
This week, it's going to be multiple choice, and it's going to be best sellers. Mm. So I'm going to give you a platform, and I'm going to have you pick from three options the best-selling game on that platform. Mm. Now, what makes this a little bit tricky is pack-ins are included. Okay. So keep that right. in mind. I don't know where you found okay. those stats, but cool. Uh, Wikipedia, so legit, you know, <laughs> okay. not super reliable. <laughs> don't take this as don't take this as just well. a fun little game. Yeah, just just got it from just Wikipedia. Fun little game. Yep, that's where it came from. Um, but our sponsors, our lovely sponsors who who uh, support this show and Easy Allies, uh, the first is Greg the Dark Knight Kettering. Greg is nice. the longest frame trap sponsor, so thank you so much, Greg. And Zen Market, who is also. Yes. Uh, supported the show a lot. Thank you so much, Zen Market. But if you're not sure what Zen Market is, it's the place to get games, anime, merch, and more directly from Japanese online stores. You can even bid on Japanese auctions in real time. With the flattest fees in the biz, Zen Market is downright is the downright nicest way to start importing Japanese goods yourself. And now, Zen Market offers a subscription service called Zen Pop. Hmm. If you need more Japan in your life, try a big mix of authentic Japanese snacks, noodles, or stationery delivered each month with free shipping. Visit zenpop.jp and use code EZA during checkout to save $5 on any subscription plan. Find Zen Market and Zen Pop on social media or visit their homepages for all the info. Our next sponsor is Thomas J. Thomas J. writes and produces weird, heartfelt electro-pop and alternative rock, taking influence from everything under the sun. Listen to his music at thomasj.bandcamp.com and follow him on Twitter at hippopothomasj for updates and bad takes. Uh, last time I got, last episode, I got that wrong. I said hippo Thomas J. It's <laughs> hippo Thomas J. Mm. for updates and bad takes. <clears throat> P.S. Anarchy Reigns was a great game that was unfairly shafted. Mm. Anarchy Reigns is fun. Uh, I also want to give a special shout out. We don't have any promotional material, but we just uh, had Dale sign up as a Frame Trap sponsor. So I want to thank you for Dale for coming to that. If you want to support this show, if you want to support Easy Allies, if you like Frame Trap, you want to be a part of it, and you want to say some stuff, you want to have hot takes about Anarchy Reigns, <laughs> uh, yeah. go to go to patreon.com slash Easy Allies to get more information. That is actually... That, 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 that's... That's a good incentive right there. It's like yeah. get your hot you, takes you don't have a business to promote, just like promote the game that everyone's trashing. We've had people use this space to disagree with my opinions on games, and Kyle's <laughs> opinions on games, to just say great stuff about games. You want hot takes on games. That's, that's the way to do it. All right. So the rules of the game are I am going to say the platform. I'm going to give all three options. Do not answer until... Uh, I say all three options. I'm bad at enforcing that rule. I'm going to try to be better about it. Uh, The second thing is, please whisper Hotake when you would like to answer. Uh, The first person to whisper Hotake gets the right to answer the question. If you get it wrong, it goes to the other person who gets another chance. If you both get it wrong, we get no points. The first platform is Game Boy Advance. Yeah. So your options are A, Mario Kart Super Circuit. B, Super Mario World, Super Mario Advance 2, and C, Pokemon Ruby and Sapphire. Oh, Otake. Bradley Ellis. Pokemon you Ruby. You got it! Yeah. Uh, those, are good, those are good ones, though, dude. I was thinking about that for a second. 
apparently, according to the most reliable source on the internet, Wikipedia, <laughs> uh, <laughs> they, uh, Pokemon Ruby and Sapphire sold a combined amount of 16,220,000 copies. Next, the original PlayStation. Hmm. Is it A, Final Fantasy VII, B, Gran Turismo, or C, Tekken Three? Otake. Ooh, Brad beats. Uh, the is it Gran Turismo? It is. Yeah. Brad's wow. on fire. That's great. Uh, that is 10,850,000. What a juggernaut. Yeah. The next platform is the Wii U. We have A, Mario Kart 8. B, Super Smash Brothers for Wii U. Or C, New Super Mario Brothers U. What okay. Blood's in. Mario Kart 8. It is! Yeah. Blood's <laughs> fighting <laughs> got, back. Be that, got sweet Mario Kart, baby. He's punching back against MLG Brad. He's not taking any of that bull crap. Next <laughs> console. That's a good word, dude. <laughs> it is very good. I like it. I like it a lot. Next console is number four, the Xbox 360. Ooh, okay. Ooh, tricky one. Yeah. Is it A? The Halo 3. The Halo 3? <laughs> is it B, The Grand Theft Auto 5? Ooh. Or C, The Connect Adventures? Uh, what talking? Blood. Grand Theft Auto 5. Yeah. Incorrect. Goes to Ooh. Brad. Oh, uh, Halo 3? Both incorrect. Oh, it's connected? Wow. Connect oh. Adventures. Again, we were including pack-ins. Oh, That's yeah. The, the trip up. It came with every connect, right? Uh, I think... It either came with every. It came with That's Connect. That's still mind blowing. Or it, it came. I think it, it, I think it definitely came with. I was a console. for sure that a Call of Duty was going to be on that list too. Twenty-four million. Remember Connect? According to Wikipedia. How crazy is that? That is nuts. Uh, you know, what? I'm glad we got that one wrong. All right. Mm -hmm. Last one, Blood. You can tie it up to do a dual break out of the dual frame trap with Bradley Ellis. The last one. We're going back, back to the past. Atari 2600. Oh, God. Hmm. Is it A, Pitfall, B, Pac-Man, C, Space Invaders? Oh, shoot. Oh, okay. We got a blood. Pac-Man. It is! Yeah. It's got to be the wop, wop, wop. Ooh. Ooh, ooh, ooh. That was a juicy one. Close competition. Mm. Blood mm. and Brad are all tied up, which means you are responsible for breaking out of the frame Double trap. Double frame trap, together. dude. Please come up with a word, gesture, any sort of action that you think is strong enough to get us out of this demonic. Um, I got one. I'll just do it, and then you could do one after me, I guess. We'll okay. do that. Boom. Brad's taking charge. Sonic, boom! Okay. Um, I take my glasses off. This has been a problem before. Uh, I'm gonna do uh, I'm gonna Zangief. Back up. There you go. That was good. That was good. That was good. <laughs> that was good stuff. That was good. I forget okay. what that move's called, but yeah. <laughs> um, so I'm. There's a game that I've been meaning to bring to Frame Trap for a while, uh, and haven't. But I'm going to talk about it now, and that is Wave the Passive Fist. Ooh. Oh yeah. yeah. It's always awkward when I have to like write the timestamps. I'm like, I'm going to talk about this game five seconds later. Mm -hmm. Now let me tell you about it. I'm just writing down timestamps, audio listeners. I'm okay. Uh, <laughs> Wave the Pacifist. So this is a game that I played at PSX and demanded that Huber play it at PSX uh, because I loved the concept so much and the, the 
the person behind it uh, was so enthusiastic about old beat em ups and everything was so on point. Uh, because this is a wave the passive fist is a beat em up, but it's not a beat em up like you would traditionally think. It's not about offense. It's all about defense. Hmm. And what you do is you block, you dodge. Um, you counter moves, and then as you do this, uh, you kind of exhaust your opponents, and then once you're ex- they're exhausted, you can take them out in one hit. And also, as you're doing all of these different moves, uh, you're kind of building up a meter, and you can do this big attack, and that is really important because you'll fight a lot of different groups of enemies, and it's it. there's almost like this rhythm game element to it where you'll have... This enemy who's kind of putting you on this tempo, they're really, really fast. And so it's like, okay, I got to block, 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 block. And they'll do a couple of attacks and then they'll back off and another person will come in. And so you're kind of doing these constant one-on-one tangos. Um, And they'll be really slow and it's, it's very easy, but because you were so used to that other tempo before, it might very easily trip you up. Um, and it's great. It's, it's such a fun concept. And when you are able to get that down, when you're able to clear an entire section of the enemies and not get hit at all, you feel like a God. Uh, and they also love, and I love big fat sprites. Like (laughs) you're just dealing with these gnarly looking dudes that are taking so much real estate on the screen, uh, that are just really fun to watch them to move around, uh, fun to beat up and all that stuff. And, after PSX, I was so thrilled uh, to play it. And while I still think the fundamental idea of Way of the Passive Fist is good, I'm finding myself getting very easily burnt out. Hmm. Um, and I'm not enjoying it as much as I thought I would be enjoying it. And I think the reason for that is, is because you are defensive all the time. Uh, the levels just feel like they kind of take forever to get through sure yeah Uh, just kind of what we're talking about with god of war like sometimes you just want to chew through some dudes exactly yeah exactly and this is the opposite of what this game is but exactly what you're saying there are moments where you just kind of want to punch through dudes just for something to break it up uh and every single fight just feels really slow and then obviously as you get through the levels they get more complex and they feel like they take even longer because on top of that, uh, as you're going through, uh, you'll as it get harder, you'll die, and so you'll have to like go back to the checkpoint and do the thing again, and it just kind of starts to feel like a drag. Um, and there are ways around that, and a huge credit to Way of the Passive Fist is how they handle difficulty levels. So it's not just easy, normal, hard, extra hard, super saiyan, that kind of thing. It is, do you want to change enemy encounters? Do you want to make checkpoints more frequent? Uh, do you... There are all of these individual things that you can tweak, which is cool, but I found, like, I just started playing everything, like, okay, let's just do right down the middle, and that felt really, really good, and then it was hard for me, it wasn't that I wanted things to be harder or easier, I just wanted to do different things, mm. which is a which is outside of the realm of this difficulty tweaker. Yeah. Like, it's just tweaking what's already there, I just wanted more variety, And the way that they kind of mix this up, their answer to this, this answer to the variety, is they'll have, like, environmental hazards that will happen. And so during some of the fights, there will be this big laser beam that shoots, and it'll just come very, very quickly. And so it's like, oh, okay, I actually can't engage with this person. I need to dodge this laser beam. And that's really frustrating Mm. because... Part of the fun is, like, you'll have moments where it's like, no, I just need to figure out this rhythm. Oh, this is just a distraction taking me away from this. It doesn't feel like a fun thing to overcome. It's just like, 
You know when you're kids and you're playing in the middle of the street and you're getting really into the game and then a car comes by <laughs> and you're like, wait, we got to move out of the street. We got to stop the game. And it just, you, and then you come back and it's just not as fun anymore because you mm-hmm. have an interruption. The moment, yeah. That's kind of what this feels like. It's, it's not that it's hard to do. It's just rather than giving me something new with this concept, it's just kind of like this thing that's buzzing around on the side. Yeah, it's like a fly just yeah. around you. You're just like, ugh, yeah. stop. Yeah, and so I, I'm i not having as much fun going through Way of the Pacifist as I thought I would. I, I, I thought I would get it, and it's just like, okay, I'm just going to run through this very quickly. And after doing, like, a couple of levels, you, you feel really full, and you're like, I'm, I'm good on this idea for now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I still enjoy it, and I still think the fundamental concept of it is so good, and it's one of those things where I want them to do more with it. Yeah. Uh, there need to be more beat em ups, I think. Yes. Yeah, but for sure. I find when they bring beat em ups back, it is way. Sometimes it's just a little bit too literal, where it's like, hey, do you remember those games? We're just doing that again. And so I appreciate Way of the Pacifist being super outside of that. Uh, but yeah, what are, what are beat em ups, I suppose? If you were to make a new one, mm. would you want it to be defensive like this? Would you. What kind of crazy I think it'd be good. Want? I mean, sounds like you're getting bored because you're doing the same thing over again. Maybe yeah. combine th- this kind of like depth that they have with defensive, yeah. but mm-hmm. add in offensive also, mm-hmm. and maybe not just like lasers coming through the level, just kind of holding up the pace of an environment or something like that. Right? How's the enemy variety? The enemy I feel variety. Like for a beat 'em up, you need a lot of different type of enemies. The enemy variety is pretty decent, and I think a huge reason why it's de- decent is you'll encounter the same types of enemies. So there are these ladies who will throw things at you mm-hmm. and different... It'll be the same enemy. It'll be the same concept, but they'll throw different things at you, but because they're throwing it at a different speed or at a different angle, they feel way different, cool. even though they're essentially the same cool. thing yeah. because this game is so reliant on timing, and so any change to that feels pretty yeah. interesting. It feels like, to me, you just want to punch a dude. Yeah, yeah I just... I, there's just, just like a way... I want to keep the level of depth... But I, I want a way to, to speed it up, or maybe you just have more offensive. screens where it's like, all right, you unlock this thing now, just punch everybody really quick. I, I don't know. Yeah, you know, you know, a beat 'em up has uh, a a lot of depth and intricate mechanics. Beautiful Joe. Yes. Yeah. Blood. Yes. Yes. yes it we is. need another beautiful Joe yeah. Capcom. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. Or at least something like it. If you want to go with a different character or whatever, you know, if you don't think that's marketable, but. Yeah, like. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I'm thinking back to like beautiful all the Joe Blood slowdowns and counters, and you know, like kicking like rockets and stuff to like amplify them. You know, it, that that game had a lot going on. It, it had it some pretty ridiculous boss sequences at times. Or like fight these five bosses with one life. It's like okay, right. And so that's that's actually kind of what I want to throw at you. And I I think it's a difficult thing. So we're talking about how we want this this complexity. But I remember when I first played Beautiful Joe, it was a strong sensation of, I love this game, and also, holy shit, I'm getting my ass kicked. And I think, depending on how you position that, that can be a tough sell for people who maybe associate beat-em-up with, I'm just going to have fun with my friends and we're going to spend a couple of hours playing that. So how do you cross that bridge? I mean, honestly, I just just think you, you tone down the longevity of those boss fights. You know, like, I, I think that's one of the things that can be a mistake in games overall is just to make 
boss fights take forever. Yeah, for sure. And it's like, I've seen everything this boss does. I know how to counter it. And it's just like a matter of endurance right now. And sometimes, like, that feels fun. And sometimes it's just, this is a drag. And, and it's I think that, like, getting that length right really makes a difference between a great boss fight and, and a tedious one. Hmm. Brad... Is yes. there is there a definitive beat 'em up for you? I know you and Michael Huber have run the gauntlet. Um, no, not really. I don't think I have like a favorite beat 'em up. Not Streets of Rage two. No, I mean I like a lot of beat 'em ups. I don't know. I'm sure. not. I'm not an expert on beat 'em ups. Like I like beat 'em ups are yeah. fine. It seems like maybe you kind of position them in a spot where you don't think about them too much, but when they're around, you enjoy going through. Yeah, them. Yeah, that's exactly like. Oh, I guess. Would you count Dragon's Crown as a beat 'em up? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, I like I Dragon's Crown. Yeah. That's my favorite one then. Yeah. Hey. Dragon's Crown has a lot of like loot and gear stuff yeah, too. Like, right? Yeah, like it has stuff I like in it though. It's like it is a beat em up, I guess, at its core, but it has a lot more in it too. It's also fantasy. It's also vanillaware fantasy. Yeah, it looks great. So that's a lot of depth to the there. classes and everything. Uh that re release is coming out next month. <laughs> yeah, that'll have to be a co op playthrough soon. Yes, we've we've actually committed myself, Michael Huber, Bradley Ellis committed to doing a co op playthrough. Build Not only that that Titan, right? <laughs> I, there's, a, there's a long the held bet where I have to build a Titan suit, a mech suit, and uh, specifically it was for Titanfall 2. So that's what we're calling it. Titanfall 2. <laughs> yeah, it was a long time ago. <laughs> when we do that co-op stream, I will be wearing that Titan suit. Oh so. my gosh, that Titan suit is gonna get trashed. That Titan suit will be trash. Lower your well, expectations. Yeah. <laughs> it's not gonna be like this amazing is. suit. Yeah, yeah. The 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 picture of the dude. That like has a box over his head and it just says Gundam. Mm-hmm. Sort of talking. like around that caliber, <laughs> I would imagine. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh, Ben's gonna be dumpster diving soon. Yeah, I think <laughs> every day of my life, what box you use will really bump the score of that Titan. You think so? Yeah. Okay. Like if you used an N64 box, I'd bump it real high. Oh, I don't, don't want to ruin wanna, it. You don't want to do that. Yeah. Just saying, depending on the box, could mm. bump it. Good tips. Good tips. Maybe if he has like some kind of like slot, like in the front of like the other cardboard box to like put the N sixty four box into. Yeah. Uh, Bradley Ellis. Yes. I don't want to spend too much time on this. We've, okay. we've talked about it several times on this show. Uh, but if you have things to say, don't let me hold you back. I just don't have that many things to say. But the things that I do want to talk about with Nino Cooney too, I really want to right. get off my chest. So, Let's hear it, dude. Yeah, Nino Kuni 2 is an interesting game for me, and I understand that my perspective is going to be different than other people mm-hmm. uh, because I'm only playing it with my girlfriend, and the time that we have to play it together is not very often, and when we can, it's not for very long. And so I'm making very, 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 very slow po- mm-hmm. progress. I just got through Gold Paw um, and oh, getting into okay. the. Yeah, yeah. So I'm, it's going You're slow. Super early, yeah. Uh, but there are things. I think especially because we're playing it together that are really annoying. Uh, the way that they implement voice acting in this game is driving me up a wall. <laughs> it feels like super like older like because there's so much you're just like, nah. Like when there's like a whole text thing. Are you talking about how they're right. just like one no, word? So they do that too uh, where you'll be mostly reading but they'll say like the first world like, thank 
you. Yeah. And then just a bunch of text. That's fine. That's like Wind Waker Zelda style. They do that in old Zelda games. Not a big deal, but just so she and I are on the same page together, we're, we're taking turns reading things. Okay. But every once in a while, they'll have voice acting, mm-hmm. which is great. And I find that the performances so far have been pretty strong. And so because the performances are strong and it's well presented, I just want more of it. And the way that they tantalize you with it is infuriating because they'll have moments where you'll be reading and then it will cut and they'll they'll essentially say like one or two sentences in voice acting and then they'll cut back and you'll do a whole bunch more reading. That is and weird. it's like why? <coughs> why? Right. I would rather just read the whole time. Like this transition and and having this voice acting it just feels jarring and so there's so little of it and the way that it is used feels very inconsistent that it's become yeah, kind of inferior. If they're doing like if they're hopping back between both of them in at one conversation yeah. that is annoying. Yes. Yeah. I why? Yeah, cuz I, I feel don't know like why. there are definitely other games that have this mix of like okay, you're going to read these times and you're going to have voice acting the other times. But it feels like it just like the rhythm of how Nino Kuni 2 does it just doesn't make sense. Like, you know, it's like mm-hmm. it's not that this scene is more important than another scene. It's just like we're just going to drop this line on you and the rest of it we filled in. You know, it's mm-hmm. kind of right. yeah, it's it's weird. I don't completely concede that this might be more annoying because we're reading it out loud and we're playing it together. Um, and I was trying to think back to Nino Kuni 1, and I, I know that that had intermittent voice acting as well, and I don't know if it was just as sparsely applied. Uh, but then I got to thinking, you would hope for the sequel. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that it would be better. I'm also curious. But I'm certainly I mean, without a what it was like at all. strong understanding of language, I'm curious how much English VO there is compared to the Japanese VO. Like, I wonder if, like, there's a lot more Japanese VO or if it has the exact same problem. I mean, I played in Japanese and there was moments like that. Okay. Mm. So, I don't know. There could be more, that, but yeah. I mean, I, I noticed that too. Uh, the other thing that I want to comment on that we've talked about before, but I am now feeling very heavily is the difficulty. And mm-hmm. what's interesting is because I played this at an event, and the way that I played it at an event is like I would play a chunk, and then it's like, okay, now load this save, and then play a chunk. Mm. And I think while I was at the event, I was also just focused on barreling through. Mm-hmm. But now that I'm playing through it, I'm just fighting a lot, you know, as mm-hmm. I encounter things uh, <clears throat> on the world map or in whatever environment I am. I'm just kind of naturally going through them. I'm not skipping too many battles. And so because of that, I find that when I get to boss fights, or even just any battle at all that isn't, like, specifically, like, hey, this is a super dangerous enemy in the world that we're marking. Like, there are times I'm fighting a boss, and I'm like, wow, I just took off, like, a fourth of that thing's health with Mm -hmm. just one attack, and I'm just kind of cleaving through everything. Uh, And there are are nuances to the the battle system. Uh, There's the Zing Gauge, where you kind of want to... You're encouraged to kind of switch through your weapons so you can make your skills more powerful when you use them. Uh, There are Higglies that you can summon. Uh, But kind of the opposite of what we were talking about with God of War is I don't really have to think about any of that. It just feels like... Everything is so much of a pushover that whatever strategy I apply, I am successful with. I feel like later on in the game, it definitely gets a little harder. That's it's good not, to hear. It's not a, hear. a hard game, though. I'm just okay. saying that, but it gets a little more. Okay. Mm. It's good to hear that uh, because that is important for me to yeah. say. Like, I'm I don't think you'll struggle early. in it, Ben, but yeah. it won't be as mindless. Okay. Uh, yeah, and it. I think it speaks to maybe a broader problem 
specifically in JRPGs, where sometimes they have these interesting ideas with battle systems, or just straight up interesting battle systems, and it takes them way too long to apply it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I just, right now, I, I'm feeling that. I, I yeah. want it to push back a little yeah. bit. I definitely hate when something is like, they throw like everything at you in a tutorial, and then there's no reason to use something. And then by the time you get to a reason to use something, it's like, oh, how did I do that again? Right. Kind of feeling. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. I think this difficulty is like them addressing Nino Kuni 1's difficulty. Hmm. Like, I think a lot of people had trouble with the first Nino Kuni. Mm-hmm. Sort of like, let's, let's tone it back. They might sure. have toned it back a little too far. Yeah, yeah, Damiani was super favorable on not having to grind. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, you don't have to. But, uh, but yeah, I can definitely see, yeah, the the opposite of that. Is it just like, well, I don't have to actually do anything. Yeah, I think that would be good. It's just in a lot of these areas that you're going to, I feel like there are a healthy amount of enemies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I'm kind of getting the sense, and I haven't actually put this to practice to find out, that the way for this to be a challenge is to just not fight anything. But that feels weird and right. not... I mean that's a that it feels like too, a problem. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It just, yeah. It, just I mean, it just doesn't I feel right. Yeah, when I when I play JRPG, I like I I typically you know don't go out of my way to grind if I can help it. But I also like I'm not like steering away and avoiding enemies. Like I'm f- yeah. trying to fight pretty much everything that's in my path unless I'm just like going back and forth to someplace I've been multiple times. <clears throat> yeah, I think a difficulty selection would have helped. Yeah, you can't. In this one, at least right now, they'll probably patch it in down the line. But yeah, yeah that would have helped. Definitely. Uh, there's one more game that we're going to talk about on today's episode of Kay. Frame Trap. And this is one that has been cut for time a lot. Uh, I've been meaning to talk about it for a while. Uh, there's another one that has been cut for time a lot that we're not going to get to this episode. But maybe we'll get to in a later episode. But today... We are going to spend a little bit of time, and part of that is Brad's enthusiasm for this. He wanted to talk about it as well. That is Jet Set Radio. Nice. Yeah. So Jet Set Radio is one of those games that I always enjoyed, but I remember uh, feeling very difficult when I was a kid with my Dreamcast. Mm -hmm. And so I would just kind of play it for a while. I would get stuck and be like, you know what? I heard some good tunes. I skated around. I graffitied some things, and I would move on to something else. But uh, recently, I don't remember when it was, maybe it was about a month ago, I sat down and played through, they re-released it on a bunch of things, but I played it on PlayStation 3, and I was like, I'm going to just finish it, I'm going to see what there is to see in Jet Set Radio, and holy moly, it was awesome. It was so awesome that I want another game with Jet Set in it because of how much fun I had. And I think there are some very specific things that Jet Set Radio did that I would want to see again. And the first is the sense of building up your crew. It's uh, so yes. good That's right. in Jet Set Radio. Because you start out um, and... Yeah, what's your, what's your crew called in this one? The GGs. The GGs, I believe. yeah. I believe it is the GGs. Uh, and as you go through the game... There will be people who will come up to you and they're like, hey, man, like, if you can beat me in this thing, I'll join, I'll join your crew. You, yeah. But not just that. Uh, some of them have their own story elements that, that play into it. And so you have these moments where you don't have to do it. You don't have to let them into the crew. Uh, but it's just such a nice, simple, and there are so many things about Jet Set Radio that are nice and simple. They don't overcomplicate it. We just go and you do this challenge and it never takes very long. Mm-hmm. It's just this nice, like, pause, this nice... <gasps> 
okay, I'm gonna go do this. It just takes a couple of minutes, and it's fun, it's exciting. They'll go and they'll do some trick, uh, and then you'll go and you'll try to copy it. Now, admittedly, some of those tricks are so easy that they're not that fun, uh, but enough of them are complicated enough where it's like, okay, I'm grinding all around this rail, yeah. making these multiple jumps. It's really, really cool, and it doesn't take that long, and you get them, you have them in your crew, and they, they have different properties to them. Like, playing as different characters matters in this game. Uh, do you want... Uh, your you want to have more health? You want to hold more uh, paint, or paint whatever, or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a meaningful choice, uh, and just the way that the levels evolve is so cool. I mean, you just start out as like these these fresh punks, man, and you're and skating you got the, around. The guy like on the the radio station. What's his yeah. name? Uh, what is his name? What is his uh, name? It is well, whatever. He's like talking about like what's going on there. Is like all the different other mm-hmm. like gangs going through there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so cool. You're like, this game, you got this game. He's, like, talking about it on the radio. Um, yeah, he's great. He's great. Yeah. He's, he's the one that's kind of basically serving as your narrator, narrator for the story. Yeah. Uh, but you start out, and you're just avoiding this detective. Uh, yeah, and he's just this, this kind of, like, weaselly... Like a big magnum, dude. Yeah, you, he's got you his, look like, at tan him. trench coat. Yeah, you look at him, and it's like, I, I can... I can smell the alcohol in his breath through yeah. the TV screen kind of guy. Like, he's and just alcohol, this perfect yeah. slime ball. But it but it escalates and you get into like mind control and all this stuff and it's just such a fun ride and blood you care about music a lot in mm-hmm. video games. Uh, we we talk a lot about it. You and I have had several impassioned just discussions about video game music. Jet Set Radio is top of the top. Like if we were to make a <laughs> list today, I don't know how you put the Jet Set Radio music in there. Mm. Well, do you did. agree with this? How, f- how uh, well do I'm you not, it? I'm not super familiar with it. I do know that the composer, uh, they've they've tapped for the uh, the kind of spiritual successor that they're making, the Hover, mm. uh, which, um, you know, I played a little bit of it at GDC. I'm not entirely sure, like, how well that overall game catches the vibe and, and like, really succeeds in, in, in doing that. Uh, but it's, you know, super inspired by Jet Set Radio. Um, but, yeah, so, like, that's one of the things is like let's, let's get that guy making the music yeah so um uh, so yeah it'd be really interesting uh I, yeah I, I i've i've heard bits and pieces here and there but um and i've sampled a bit of jet set radio but i've never like really like sat down and like focused on playing it or listening to it uh quick thing this name popped into my head but i wasn't sure if i was 100 percent right i looked it up and it's professor k mm. professor k professor k yeah yeah, yeah. dj professor oh, k. man this game is like this game like perfectly captures like what the Dreamcast is it is to me. Yeah. It's such absolutely. like a weird, yeah. like goofy game that has it's full of personality. I think like that mm-hmm. is the Dreamcast to me. Yeah. And I wanna talk about how they do the graffiti, how they do the tagging and mm-hmm. Oh, it's so good. So some of the tags are just like you're grinding on a rail or you're trying to hit the back of somebody and you just do a quick spray. There's no elaborate yeah, it's just movement like a involved or something. Just hit a button. Uh, then there are other ones, bigger ones, uh, where you have to, as you're doing it, you like stop and you have to do different analog motions. So you might have to curve up to the left, mm-hmm. you might have to curve up to the right, you have to rotate the thing around completely. Um, and the <laughs> way that it feels as you're doing it and the way that the camera positions around, like your characters like kind of dancing around, doing things. Yeah. It's not that complicated, but the presentation and the way that it feels and the rhythm that you get into with the graffiti, it's like, this is such a smart, flowing way 
to make you feel like you're actually like spray painting a wall without making it like overly complex and annoying mm-hmm. and ruining the pace of the game. Mm-hmm. And it's awesome. Now, chaining on to that, I had never played Jet Set Radio Future for whatever reason. Not a hard game to get a hold of. Mm-hmm. And I had I an Xbox. I haven't played it either. And I liked Jet Set Radio. I just, for whatever reason, didn't play Jet Set Radio Future. And so I went on eBay and mm. I purchased a copy of Jet Set Radio Future. I was playing it on my original Xbox. And so far, it's really cool. I think the the levels are extremely well designed. Mm-hmm. Like the way they're positioned, uh, how you navigate around them. They're, they're more interesting than a lot of what I was seeing in the original Jet Set Radio. But I was bummed out by one major thing. You don't do the motions for the graffiti. Really? They make oh, it like much wow. more fast-paced kind of now? Yeah, and, and maybe I guess it happens like later on in the game, but at least from the outset, that was completely removed. And it was it was a blow to me. I didn't like it. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe some people like it. Maybe I think it added to the tension of the first game. Like yeah. when you're trying to tag this thing like a bigger like right. spray spot, and you know like the cops are chasing you when you're right. doing it. Exactly. And you, you'll have moments where you're you're tagging something, and you don't judge very well how far away they are from you, and they'll knock you out of it. Mm-hmm. And it was like, oh okay, you know, I need to create more space here. Yeah. Uh, you I, know what? You know what I'm talking about? That it reminds me of uh, who else did a graffiti tagging crazy thing was. Uh, Infamous second song. Do you remember mm. that? Where like you I do remember that. Yeah, sideways. I, I do song, remember. So. You shake it like it. Fe- the 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 feedback feels like a, a paint can. Like sh- yeah, and like you're holding it vertically, like spraying up and down like this. It's pretty crazy. That's cool. Uh, there was another game that always looked interesting to me that I didn't play. Uh, was Mark Echoes? Dude, up. I uh, oh. I play tested that. Did you, did you yeah, really? I did. Yeah. How is it? It was cool when I played it back yeah. in the day. I never played like the game when it came out. Mm. Did it have fit, like elaborate? I remember. Th- I think there was like uh, like a, a mop or something you could get in the game, okay. and I just remember it was OP as hell. And I remember <laughs> telling the developers, "I'm like, yeah, this is like way too strong." But yeah, I never you, played I it. I didn't when even it came know out. you were a play tester. I, that's the only game I ever play tested. Okay. Was it like? Was it was it just a job posting? No, game? like yeah, I just they can't, they brought me in for like a day or something like that. Oh, so like me... like focus testing. Yeah, oh, focus testing. Oh, like, but okay. I played yeah. it and I tested okay. it and I gotcha. gave them feedback and everything like that. Gotcha. One of my favorite things about Frame Trap is unexpectedly learning about each ally's <laughs> past. Brad, so weird. I don't know how I focus got in tested. That. Mark Echoes getting up. Yeah. Blood learns how to read runes. I like this. It's enriching my knowledge of the allies. Um. Don't want to talk about Jet Set Radio too long. This is basically just uh, a plea to nice maybe little, give yeah. people to check it out. Uh, I do want to say a lot of people complain about the controls, and I, I see where they are coming from. I was going to bring that up to you. Yeah. I remember playing this on Dreamcast, and like sometimes the spraying, like when yes. you're doing the long things, didn't feel that great. Like Sometimes I'm like, I did that, but it didn't register kind of thing right. like that. It can be a little unwieldy, okay. for sure. Uh Particularly, there there are moments where you have to chase people around, and that can be a little bit infuriating. Uh, one, it's a problem of camera. The camera can be hard right. to orient. And the way that your character moves around can sometimes feel a little bit floaty, which is good because it allows you to make some like pretty cool jumps and mm-hmm. grinds and things yeah, like definitely. that. Uh, but it is, it is hard to gauge sometimes. And so, yeah, I, I think if you play this game, you are very likely to run into situations where it's like, ah, oh, this is... Is a little frustrating, but I also think that Jet Set Radio has so much vitality to it. Like, it was one of the things that I played, and I think just because I played through it, I was happy for like three days. Yeah. 
I think that is basically how Jet Set Radio made me feel. Yeah, totally. Uh, because of the energy that it has, that punkishness it, of it being kids a, on the street. It has a very unique vibe. Dude. Yeah, it mm. does. And I, I, I think that vibe that it that it cultivates... It's infectious. ...is not a vibe that you see a lot in video games. I mean, think about how many no. games you are where you're some stupid knight killing orcs and stuff, and I just talked about how much I love fantasy. <laughs> uh, or you're in space, or you're yeah. just a soldier shooting a gun, like Jet Set Radio. It's like, no, man, I'm grinding and tagging stuff. Yeah, to the best music. Like with cell shading and everything like that. Um, and there, there are some things that we talk about on Framestrap where it's like, oh, that might be hard to get a hold of, but not so with Jet Set Radio. Like, you can you can play it on PC, you can play it on 360, you can play it on PS3. Is Future only on Xbox One? Yes. Or the original? Can you play it on no. Xbox One? Really? Ah. Oh. That's a shame. Why yeah, it's always happen, weird. Microsoft? Yeah, it's always weird when you go back. It's like, oh, that's not backwards compatible yet. So. Yeah. It's like, dang. I yeah. hope it happens. There are a lot of things that I want to come back, but what's coming back right now is the HURTAKE! Okay? <laughs> that was... I mean, that, that, I, did, I just saw the wind from that Hotake just yeah, blow just, through the backyard. That was powerful. God of wind, Ben Moore. Chimes are going off. Do it Man. again. I blow a lot of hot air. It's true. It's true. Uh, so before the show, another little insight. <laughs> Production. About frame trap here, I asked the guys, "Do you would you want a more contemplative uh, uh, hotake, or do you want something a little bit more lighthearted?" And Blood looked at me and just kind of had this 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 look about him, where he's like, "I just need something a little bit more lighthearted right yeah, now." Yeah, me too. Brad, me too. Seemed to agree with that, and so I'm going to be bringing something back. Uh, and let me know, audience, if you like this idea, and please be as brutal as you want to be. I want to talk Oof. about games that. Uh, are not seeing their glory days right now. Maybe oh. they've had a couple of bad entries. Maybe they haven't mm. been around for a while. Uh, and I want to talk about <coughs> how valuable those franchises are and if they were to come back, what form we'd want them to come back mm. in. Okay. Now, last time we did Castlevania. This time I would also like to do another Konami series, Silent Hill. Ooh. Oh, yeah. Let's talk about Silent Hill. Oh, sure. Uh, I can see how I wanted to come back. Yeah. Exactly how PT was. <laughs> that's what it should be. So yeah, that's that we 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 were there. It was coming. Yeah, we had it. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. It was just, in our grasp. Gone. But Brad, the people behind BT, the BT PT, PT. that thing has dissolved. Yeah, uh, and essentially, it seems like cannot be made in that same way right now. It's not yeah. even a possibility. And so because of that. Would you want somebody trying to make? I would like want PT? a new studio t tackling this game. Okay, what? Give me, give me. Give I mean, me a name. dude, like even anyone like from software, obviously, I would like mm. to see them do that. Even someone like random, like I would like to see like what Naughty Dog would do with uh, Silent <laughs> Hill. Like, what weird thing would they come up with, and yeah. how they do it? Especially like with their how they tell stories like that. I think that could be a strong point of them taking on the project. Blood. The thing about PT is it was so impactful and yeah. generated so much buzz that so many people have tried to ape PT since PT. Yes. Right. Uh, so do you do you think that idea, that style, still has sting in it? Uh, yeah, I do. Uh, what, like, what even parts of RE7 kind of felt like PT, right? Oh, yeah. Sure. Um, <laughs> uh, and uh, Evil Within as well mm -hmm. kind of has, has things that feel like that. Mikami. Give it to Mikami. Mikami. 
Yeah, I think that's I think that's a good call. Shinji Mikami making a Silent Hill game is like sort of the reaction that I had when it's like Mario and Sonic are going to be at the right. Olympics yeah, together. It's like what? Like, what? <laughs> yeah, My whole do, life has been. You do wonder whether he would even do it. But, yeah, uh, yeah, of course. But yeah, it's it's definitely has its its own set of lore and weirdness and man the the direction that silent hills was going was definitely like the kind of stuff i like to see in horror games or yeah. like you know and and again like people within there's a lot of these things where it's just like i don't even know exactly what's happening right now you know it, it just playing with your head on that degree um and uh you know teasing you I want to talk about that. I want to talk about the, the playing with the head because <clears throat> one of the benefits I have about coming up with these otakes <laughs> is I get to think about them a little bit more than the panel. And I was thinking, what matters to me in Silent Hill? What is really essential? What do I need and what's, what, what can I discard? And I think when I think about Silent Hill, the, the two experiences that I really gravitate towards are my experiences with Silent Hill 2 and Silent Hill Shattered Memories. And you talked about messing with your head and the psychological horror. And both of those games absolutely have that, but I think what makes them especially interesting is it's not just psychological horror. It does not just sit there and be like, we're trying to freak you out. We're trying to mess with your mind. It is, no, this character Mm. has a history that we're playing with. Mm -hmm. You are going to learn more about them through the way that we use this psychological horror. And that's what I want. And honestly... You don't see that that often. Like, in a lot of horror games, yes, you're trying to figure out a mystery. Maybe there's some tragedy that you're trying to overcome. But it it really feels as personal Mm -hmm. as it is in Silent Hill. And so if I were making a new one, that's really all I want. Give me this character and then just slowly tease Well, that's why it feels weird when they kind of, like, revisit Pyramid Head, right? Like... (laughs) Pyramid right. Head is not a guy that should be in a go-kart racer or whatever. Oh, you know, it's like... Blood. <laughs> they have ruined Pyramid Head. Yeah. They straight up ruined him. You have this character that's so good, and they've just turned him into this marketing shtick. It sucks. They needed something, man. I'm sorry. They needed I, something. I was just rampaging element over what you were trying to say there, but it really pisses me off. It's disgusting. He's not disgusting. He's, Pyramid Head is not a Funko Pop. He is now, okay? dude. This is the world we live he's in. Not baby. a Funko Pop. He means more than that. That sucks. I mean, it's a tragedy story, with Konami, dude. Castlevania is a pachinko machine now. Yeah. Metal Gear Survive. That's Metal Gear now. Sad times. <sighs> but is there a way that they can redeem it? Is there a way that they can bring it back? Oh yeah, for for sure. It's just. Whether Konami has the the willpower to put that much into a video game right now, I don't. I don't know. It's what the the biggest things they're doing at the moment are are uh, the soccer uh, and oh yeah, P- yeah, PES mm-hmm. and uh, Bomberman, which Bomberman. they put little effort into Bomberman, and then it's like, oh, this is big. We'll give you some more DLC and stuff, and put it on other platforms. But it doesn't like. It doesn't feel like they would put in the investment needed for the production values yeah. that a Silent Hill would need. Right. Especially the kind we saw with PT. Like, I don't think they'd ever put in that kind of budget. So, you, you talked about Konami and a question of scale, which I think is a very good question. 
would you need Silent Hill to be a big scale? I mean, could you could you see I don't know. the next Silent Hill where they're like, nope, we're super serious. This is a big deal main one coming out at twenty twenty five dollars. Let's say, just spitballing here. I mean, visually, you could definitely still come across a little bit a little bit on the cheap. Uh, but I th- like I think you you need that quality with you know the, with the audio design in particular. Like you, mm. you need like if you're gonna mess with somebody's head, like you really like need to get them steeped into that world. And I think that was something that was so remarkable about PT is just how staggeringly good looking it was, mm-hmm. uh, which only further cemented like I am in this house and I'm trapped. Yeah, I think that's. Oh, dude, if they did point. it with VR too, that would yeah. be awesome. Sil- like RE7 VR. with VR is insane. It's insane. It's crazy. It's like a whole different game. And that's, I mean, and that's honestly, you know, one way that they it, they could make something that's a little bit smaller budget because VR games, you don't want them to be eight hours, ten hours long. So, like, may, yeah, maybe that is a way forward is to, like, make a Silent Hill VR game that's two to three hours and then it, it can look good because there's limitations on how good you can make look, VR look mm-hmm. right now anyways. If you want to take a cheaper route, yeah. But Silent Hill is also in this position, right, where mm-hmm. it's not in a great spot. Uh, there was a huge controversy with PT. And so I, I think there's, when you when you have something that's this messy, right, there's a lot of expectation. Yeah. And so if they were to come out and be like, hey, the next Silent Hill game coming out on VR, don't you think that would ruffle people the wrong way? I don't think it would ruffle people the wrong way, but I think there would definitely be a split in the audience because there's people that just either don't care or can't afford or don't have room for VR. Mm-hmm. You know, like I don't have room for VR really. Right. You know, so other than but, I mean, something where you're just sitting on it. Ideally, couch, I'd yeah. want them to do how RE7 did it. Right. You could play both. Right. Yeah. Exactly. That's the right answer, I think, because RE7 is a great game without VR. Yeah. It's super also a great awesome. Game yeah. In VR. It's just yes. like, hey, you got it there too if you want it. Yeah. But you're still going to have a good time without it. Yeah, I think VR is a, is a very good spot for it. Uh, another question that I have, we, we're talking about Funko Pop Pyramid Head here, uh, is what I was saying was important to me is kind of the psychological horror specifically applied to one person. I love that concept so much. But Silent Hill has a lot of lore to it. And mm-hmm. in these games, they'll have, you know, they'll have things connect or recurring characters or, or just different things that they will include in the storyline. Um I don't think I need any of that, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Not right. saying that they they can't like, have like mild touches here and there. Standalone thing, maybe. Yeah, reboot. But I, I don't think that the the cult in Silent Hill or or some of the things that is explored is is super precious to me. Mm-hmm. No. Uh, but I know it is precious to some people. How how valuable do you guys think that stuff is? Well, I, yeah, I mean, I was thinking about that because it's, you know, it's interesting that like Pyramid Head is the Funko Pop thing, right? Because because yeah. I think that Silent Hill's characters. Like they're very deep and they're very like you you get attached to them, but in the same at the same time, like they're not necessarily like marketable characters. They're not like iconic characters. They're just like pyramid. They're more like real people in a way. You know, it, like you're you're just looking at a really messed up dude, mm-hmm. and by learning about his background, like you kind of like get attached to that story, but not in a way that we're like. Hey, we gotta have this guy in a fighting game. That would be awesome, you know. Right. Yeah. We gotta see this guy again in the next. It's like, no, just tell me about somebody else, you know. Uh, 
my ideal thing would be once again i'm not super familiar with sound hills i am like mm-hmm. resident evil but i would like it if you could play this sound hill game without playing the other ones and get a very right. enjoyable thing maybe like a few things here and there that uh call back to the original right. sound hill games like re7 does right i, I was just gonna say like re7 just do, does like, what pretty, re7 did was really great uh so we're, we're talking a lot about re7 making a lot of comparisons there uh but do we want it in first person uh, it doesn't matter to me. It's just like I don't know. See, I think if, for, matters, if it's VR, like probably because it helps yeah, like, with yeah, that whole immersion VR, thing. Sure. But like, if it's third person, like yeah, I'd be fine with that. You might think this is total BS. Okay. But I think seeing your character specifically in Silent Hill matters a lot. Is more important uh, hmm. because, and maybe, it, maybe it could just be as, as effective in first person. But I think like seeing James in Silent Hill two really cemented the fact that it's like this nightmare is happening to him. The mm-hmm. story is about him. And I do think that matters uh, because in Resident Evil 7, I don't even remember the protagonist's name. Ethan. Ethan, thank you. Uh, not that Ethan doesn't matter at all. He, he does, obviously. But when I was going through <coughs> Resident Evil 7, I think a lot of why it was so terrifying is because the personality of Ethan was kind of fading into the background. Mm-hmm. And I was inserting myself a lot yeah, into yeah, absolutely. it. Absolutely. Um, and I think in Silent Hill, it's very important to make the distinction like, no, you're learning about them. Mm-hmm. Do you think that's true? I mean, yeah. Because, like, Ethan is like, he feels like just a kind of like a civilian that got dragged into this whole bigger situation. Mm-hmm. But I guess with Silent Hill, if it's specifically about that character and their mental state or anything like that, then yeah, I could kind of see that. Right. Maybe if they did first person, they'd have to talk a lot more or something like that or have way more of a personality than uh, Ethan did. Yeah, I, I think it is kind of this almost odd uh, dilemma where, yeah, when, when you're talking about that, it, it in a way it actually allows it to be a more personal connection uh, because you can play on those things from their past. You can play on their history and their experience and their mistakes. Whereas if it's just supposed to be quote unquote you, then everything has to be kind of generalized. Right. Because, you know, like they don't know what the players, you know, they, they can't play off of the players fears or anxieties uh, other than like what kind of works for everybody. I want to talk about combat. Okay. Because mm. it's not something Silent Hill is well known for. <laughs> right. Sure. Um, it has been awkward in multiple them. ways that they've done it. Uh, like, I think about Silent Hill 2 and beating things with a pipe. And, yeah, exactly, because it's like melee combat a lot yeah. of times. Like, I don't think a lot of like games with that angle and, or and like till Sh- Onimusha did it. Shattered Memories had an interesting take on it uh, because most of the time you're not fighting anything. And right. then when you are in these combat encounters it's really just you running through a gauntlet trying to avoid enemies mm-hmm. which wasn't super fun either mm-hmm. <laughs> uh there was a very sharp divide between th- danger and not danger uh what would you want to see here in a new silent hill would you want combat at all i don't I think you could make a case for sure no I, combat I mean, yeah i'm sure you can i would like a mix of both mm. like i definitely want that feeling of being threatened at all times yeah. But, like, having some sort of way to, to defend myself in some situations, I think it's important, too. I feel like... <clears throat> I feel like, in a way, some yeah, something in between there. I feel like if you can get a stealth kill, then you can kill something. But if you can't get a stealth kill, then all you can basically do is, like, 
break yourself away from that and like run. Yeah. I think it just it's just being really selective about like like you could kill something but it's going to come at a cost. Like mm-hmm. a stealth kill is like a good thing but like if you have a gun, yeah, you could shoot him but you're not going to have a lot of ammo. You might not be able to kill all the guys or something like that. What if what if we look at something like Alien Isolation? Never played it. Okay. Uh so in Alien Isolation, uh you basically you there there are things that you can kill and attack. Mhm. They're humans, they're androids, uh, but then there's the big bad alien where you are vulnerable defense, to it at all you times. You are very vulnerable to it, and so a lot of time you are trying to think about how to avoid this thing. Yeah, um, that's an interesting idea, yeah, mm-hmm. having something in the game like that where you have to avoid at all times. And you don't necessarily know at all when you're going to encounter it. It's kind right. of this element of chaos. Yeah. So <laughs> going back to Pyramid Head... Is that something we would want to see, where maybe you'd have something like a pyramid head? Would that kind of sure. reinstill some some fear in pyramid head? Maybe I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, I think part of the the difficulty is because I, I think again, going back to this, like this is just a dude, like a messed up dude. Is is in a way like you don't really want a quote unquote great combat system like a guy with a pipe is basically what you've got you mm-hmm. know it's like this, this, this is a guy he doesn't have any like special so combat skills yeah. he's yeah. He, you know he you know he's not gonna win a a, a barroom fighter even you know it's like just th- th- this is a guy who's just has some blunt object that he's grabbed along the way to defend himself with and he he's got a struggle to actually uh feed off uh fight off anything that's aggressive yeah mm-hmm. Uh, I love it when Silent Hill kind of makes the enemies some sort of manifestation of what the character is actually going through. And taking that even farther, I I feel like they kind of did this in, in Shattered Memories, but really digging into it, depending on your character's state, the, what you encounter maybe completely changes. Mm-hmm. Uh, or, or at least has like different elements or properties to it. Uh, without what if, what if a bunch of characters just had skins on their faces of uh, anime avatars from YouTube comments? That's blood. <laughs> Are you saying something like the like the like the insight system for Bloodborne? There's all these upset anime fans coming at you about something you said. And there's there's (laughs) some sort of system in the game where it just pulls random YouTube comments and it just like slightly distorts them. And then as the thing is charging at you, it will scream this random YouTube comment that's pulled from a random video and a slightly distorted voice. (laughs) I think we've got a hit on our hands here, Mm -hmm. folks. True terror. Blood Sun Hill, yeah. <laughs> that's it. We've we've yeah, we've, we've wiped out the conversation. Yeah, we got <laughs> it. That's yeah. it. Dead. Um there was one more oh, uh so Synonymous was Silent Hill and rightfully so. Because he's a genius. Akira Yamaoka mm. uh, has done some incredible things with music and sound is such an important part of Silent Hill, obviously from the incredible soundtrack to the way that the radio is used to alert you to enemies. How would you want sound to be implemented into Silent Hill? Hmm. Hmm. Like as a gameplay design or something? 
Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I feel like people are going to ream me for even suggesting it, but I think it's a good idea. Uh, the way Breath of the Wild does music, I think, could be manipulated to work very well in, oh, in yeah. Silent Hill, where it it you depending on what you're encountering and how you're encountering it and the state of the player, you are getting music, but it's fractured, just like little. Just not like a tune playing the whole time, right? Right. I think that could be really. Well, I mean, even uh, yeah, you know, one of the the good things even in that little nightmares DLC is that uh, you know there was like an enemy in one room, uh, and and you knew that that enemy was there because you could hear like this little music box playing, Mm -hmm. you know, and and, oh yeah, so like when you actually get into that room, it's loud and distinct, but when you're like in the kind of adjoining rooms, you just kind of hear it floating. Through the hallway. Yeah, that's hard mental damage, yeah. I feel like. It is. Like, when you hear that radio in Silent Hill 2, dude, you're like, oh, God, please no. Would you want the radio specifically back? It doesn't have to be the radio. But, like, I like a cue like that Blood was saying, like sound or something like that. That's a cool idea. Yeah, and I think, too, like that sense of things getting, like, when it, like, turns aggressive, like things amplifying you know yeah. yeah like think of like uh left for dead man when you hear like the witch or something mm-hmm. like that like weeping you're like oh god the incredibly oh there's so many great things about left for dead it is sinful that 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 left for dead is just rotting on we the we got line. left it for dead sinful. one and two so close to each other and just stopped cold turkey there's so much good and i, I, I well, actually we got evolved think, brad yeah, Tangent you're right. here. I, I actually we're think Warhammer, though. the genius of Left 4 Dead, like some of the smart design things that it did, are not given enough attention because Left 4 Dead kind of came out and one and two were so close together. Mm-hmm. And it was so big that when the storm kind of blew over, like people forgot about so many of the good things that Left 4 Dead did. But the way that it does it, like when you get hit by a special uh, zombie and the. the Incredibly, like, way too dramatic music that it has. The way that it comes in, how sharp it is. Like, no matter how many times you hear it, it is so sharp, so erratic, so aggressive that, like, it still hits you. Like, the... Yeah. It's like, oh, that's good. <laughs> the Hunter on you or something like that. It's just, like, insane music. In a game where you're going to be encountering so many special types of enemies, you need to be that dramatic yeah. with your music. And it, ah, oh, Left 4 Dead is brilliant. We need more of it. I'm just gushing at this point, but back to Silent Hill. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're talking about Konami here, right? And think about what they did with Metal Gear Survive. And I'm not saying that they're going to do this or this is a good idea. I'm just, we're, we're playing a game we're imagining here. Right. Let's say they do something where they, they're like, how can we make this a continuous online experience? <laughs> is there any way that can work continuous online experience we need to make slime level, level continuous editor. gas it up gas it up yeah like put a level yeah, I could just it. imagine it's like loot boxes some some dude like running around as a yeah. nurse trying to scare you but like moving so stupidly and jumping up and down that it doesn't work <laughs> yeah <laughs> right but you, you did touch safe on head. Yeah, I mean, but you did touch on something interesting there. I, I do think, and we've seen this with, with recent games, like even something like Friday the 13th, where you're playing yeah. as Jason. Yes. That's that's not a terrible concept. It's a nope. very interesting people concept. People want to play as Jason. To have other people scaring each other and, and 
it feeling more dangerous because it's the unpredictability of a human player as right. opposed to some AI. Right. Do you think that could work in Silent Hill? Yeah, I think the difficult thing is just that balance of power because you know the 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 other player can outwit you um, a lot better than an AI ever could, and so it's like how do you how do you keep them powerful but then still nerf them enough to where they're just not going to win every every time, uh, especially if you want to you know have multiple threats in an area like how do you pull that off do you do like a uh with that counter agent mode from like perfect dark mm-hmm. you know it's where you have ai but one of those ai is an actual person yeah mm. interesting that is kind of along the ideas of what i'm thinking uh would you insert that into the story so let's say you're, you're playing the game and Maybe without warning, there's certain sections where you might be able to be invaded by another player. Could that work? Is that too Maybe. disruptive? To it what's might going be on? a little too disruptive <coughs> on the player, on the single player. Um, but maybe just like an alternate mode, like yeah, I like don't know a if new I'd game plus kind of thing. Yeah, necessarily like in the main thing, the whole game. Like that'd be kind of weird. I feel like take me out of it. But like, it's like a separate mode. Yeah, I could totally see that. Does release of the next Silent Hill really matter to you? Do you feel like Silent Hill is something that needs to come back like this year, know. next year, or if it came back in five years, that would be fine? Um, I would just I would like to see Konami making games, games, <laughs> yeah, that feel like more than you know. This is a way to make money, so sure. yeah. So you, you do think there's some urgency for you? Um, I don't know about urgency because I just don't like right now. I I I kind of need. Konami to, to prove itself in some way that they actually care about making video games um, before I would even get my hopes up for a Silent Hill to come back. Yeah. Does does a release matter to you, or are you, are you kind of agreeing with blood? I'm, I'm more like, what should you be Castlevania? That's kind of more where I'm at with mm-hmm. Konami. Are you saying that the situation with Konami feels so dire that you have to make a list and Castlevania is at the top of your list? Uh yeah, I mean like that's that's what I want more. Sure. Like like just give me Castlevania. Probably a little easier for you to do. You mm-hmm. could do like your two D one if you wanted to. Like just give up. me one that's like the old Nintendo ones or something, mm-hmm. man. I would be so happy with that. You're looking for a fix. Yeah, give me a fix, man. You're looking for mm-hmm. like RE seven filled like a nice fix void for me. I did. Of, like survival horror, but it I'm, was like, a tasty meal. I'm dying here. I need Castlevania. Something like it. Yeah. Well, hopefully we'll get more about Resident Evil 2 Remake in the near future. Yeah. We ready to move on to emails? Yeah. yeah. Okay, let's do it. Uh, we've got a lengthy one, but I think it's a good discussion to have. Okay. Uh, from Michael. And he says, Hi, gang. I had a weird problem with game coverage and reviews that I wasn't able to put into words until now that God of War reviews are out. Okay. I'm not really a fan of the previous God of War games, but I love character action games, and I like a good story and production values in games. So God of War interests me, but the quality of its combat is absolutely essential to my purchase decision. Mm -hmm. To my dismay, after reading and watching several reviews, I realized that I still had no idea how the game actually plays. All the critics were head over heels about its emotional story, character development, cinematic quality while the discussion of combat mechanics was usually relegated to a short paragraph describing them as deep, visceral, satisfying, in other words, that don't really mean anything on their own. Hmm. 
I believe I used visceral when describing the <laughs> axe there as well, so I apologize. Uh, it feels almost as if writers lacked the vocabulary to describe the game's combat mechanics. Why is the combat deep? Does it have a skill ceiling? How large is Kratos' moveset? How does the difficulty setting change the combat? I find this trend in games coverage troubling, and it may be part of the reason why trust in big games media has been waning the last few years. Right now, I feel like trust in all media has been waning the last few years. Anyway, right now, I pretty much have to wait for the game to come out to f to, and find a YouTuber who really puts in the effort to break the game down. In my eyes, games media is not fulfilling its purpose unless it's to help sell as many copies of the game as possible. I'd like to hear your thoughts on the matter both as consumers of games and media and as critics yourselves. And please, if anyone on the panel has some experience with the new God of War, please, for the love of God, talk about the game's combat in complete sentences. Well, we did talk about the combat, so yes, hopefully... Yeah, I really hope that that... That was uh, a little bit more This sounds like a really specific case of someone who, like, wants a... Like, this reminds me of a person that will watch combo videos from Devil May Cry. Like right. Devil May Cry 4, how to do combo videos like that. Right. This is, like, a very specific point of person, like... I guess you could, like, write a paragraph on, like, your review about breaking down, like, exactly how a combat scenario would play out. Mm -hmm. But, uh, I mean, it's like, I don't know. It's like, do you want me to tell you, like, hey, man, you could push R1 to do your light attack and R2 to do your heavy attack. And you could throw your axe. Or it's like, I don't know. Do you want me to, like, list, a, like, a list kind of thing like that? I'm confused yeah. about, like, this. Oh, well, I don't know. I, I mean, I'm curious what they thought specifically because they kind of generalize. I'm curious where they feel on uh, Huber's mm -hmm. uh, review. Because, I, I mean, he did talk about combat um, and the skill trees in that stuff. Uh, so I, I don't know whether, like, that was enough to cover it if it was just still too general. But I, I do think that we went in-depth on it, but we also spent, like, what, 30 minutes mm -hmm. <laughs> putting out those details. But that's, so that's, that's that, the that beauty is, of this format of show. Yeah, yeah like that's, that's the difficulty yeah. with the review is, like, you're, you're not just talking about combat. You're talking about the whole package yeah. right. and trying to to do that succinctly. Um, and uh, there are people out there who will do 15 to 20 minute reviews, but that's you know not generally our writing style. Um, so yeah, it, it, it really comes down. And, and I'm, you know, may, may, maybe bad about, uh, I, don't, I don't typically read a lot of reviews anymore myself mm -hmm. since I read all of your reviews. <laughs> uh, so I don't, I don't go out there watching uh, IGN and GameSpot very often. Uh, and uh, what what everybody else is writing, uh, other than a few uh, excerpts here and there. Uh, but yeah, it, it's it's an interesting thing that uh, sometimes people talk more about mm -hmm. an overall takeaway rather than the nitty gritty mechanics. I think Michael brings up a very good point. I do, uh, and I, I think there is some truth to it. Uh, I do think that reviews can be guilty of glossing over things by using words that don't really mean anything. Sure. Like you just saying... A word and not giving an example right, of why. Like you, you saying the, the combat is fun or the combat is satisfying or visceral. Like That may still be your ultimate point, but if you have no support of that, uh, it, it doesn't really matter. Um, and I think specifically in the case of God of War, it's especially troubling because there is so much to talk about. Yeah. Like there, there are some times where... Combat really feels so simplistic that you might want a huge detailed description, but the support really isn't there for it, and that's one of the criticisms of the game. But in God of War, there, there is a lot to talk about. However, I do think there is a balance. Video game reviews are not instruction manuals. Right, Like, yeah. 
I I always get really annoyed. I've, I'm sure everything I'm saying I've probably done. Like that happens mm-hmm. as well. But you you don't want to be like, okay, here's what every button on the controller does. Mm-hmm. Like that that has no room uh, in your review. And that's I don't think that's what Michael is saying, but I still think that's a good point to bring up. Uh, and also, I think reviews ultimately are not to tell you about everything in the game. You're not there to be like, That's what okay. I'd be worried about. I'd be worried about talking about specific things in combat that I wouldn't want to be ruined. Right. Or I would count as a, a spoiler, I guess. There's there's spoilers, but I also think, th- like, there are times where you'll have people be like, why didn't you talk about this? Why didn't you talk about that? And sometimes there are, I read those comments and you're like, no, absolutely, you're right. I should talk about right, that. Right, sure. And then other times I go, well, yes, I could talk about that. That thing might be either good or bad, but it doesn't really necess- it doesn't feel necessary for me to give you a general impression of this game. Right. And I think ultimately that's well, what they're trying to do. Yeah, since we write for video, we typically don't spend that much time talking mm-hmm. about visuals because by right. the time you see it, we get to the point where we would talk about visuals. I mean, you you you've soaked in, you know, 6 or 7 minutes of this game and so you you, you know, unless there's like specific problems to point out, there's not really a whole lot of need to say, hey, look, the lighting's really good here. Like, you've seen the lighting multiple yeah, times. Yeah, I was yeah. seeing that with Sea of Thieves when I was writing it. I was like, should I talk about, like, how good the water looks and everything like that? But I'm like, well, they're watching a video, most likely, when they're seeing it. So I don't right. really know if I need to say it. But it's something I kind of go back and forth with. Right. Um, I do agree with Michael, though, that, that balance can be important. Sure. And oh, yeah. Just thinking about God of War specifically, and I think that's another thing that people really need to keep in mind, is you have to take it game by game. Uh, because yeah. there are times where it's like, you didn't talk very much about this, but you spent a lot of time talking about this. And it's like, well, in this game, that's the division of things. Like mm-hmm. That's that's how important this thing is and right. how not important that thing is. Like That's how the game yeah. divides things and up. And sometimes it's just a matter of, you know, it... it there's some things that like you can spend very little time on, and like th- that's it, you get it. Right. And there are other things that it's like, okay, the game has this problem, but it's gonna take me like a whole paragraph to explain this problem, exactly. even if it's minor. So it's like, do I bring this up in a review? Is it yes. worth bringing up in a review? And then even when you do, then people are like, well, you just said all the negatives. I'm like, well, no, it's just this t- small thing took a long time to explain. A good example of that is a lot of times when you have to bring up microtransactions in games. Yeah. yeah. Uh, because the the systems for the microtransactions, right, it's like, okay, we've got these multiple currencies. This is how you do it. You can turn this currency into that currency. It might take a lot of words to just even tell you what the thing is, but that microtransaction may ultimately not be that big of a deal. And so it's a great point to what Blood is, is saying. And I, I do think sometimes... People are guilty of that. Well, they'll just look at word count spent on things, and that's not a great representation of the value that we're putting on those things. Mm-hmm. Um, but I agree. I think it's something that Miguel Lopez back at Game Trailers really drove into me, and I, and I think mm. it's true. And once you're aware of it, you'll see it all the time. And I'm absolutely guilty of it. I think everybody's guilty of it. Mm-hmm. But you want to be aware of not relying on words that you might think mean a lot but actually mean nothing to your It honest. reminds me when you tell me, like, never use the word beautiful ever. Right. <laughs> right. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And there, there are times where I'm writing a review, and I'll be like, the thing is really fun. And it's like... But why? But why? Yeah, exactly. And yeah. so... Yeah, I think, I think, yeah, I think that's, it's, a hard, it's a hard task sometimes to come yeah, up with the like, language, 
especially when you write a lot of reviews and you like you don't want them all to sound the same either. And so it's like, what what is the language that like really reflects and describe what you're trying to say? And and I think sometimes, you know, especially you know if if you're working for a larger organization and you just have to hit a deadline, like you don't have the luxury of working out mm-hmm. that language. Sometimes you just got to put out what your thought is right now at three a.m. You know, so. It, it, it's definitely a difficult task. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I do think another point that I want to bring up is different things will matter more to different reviewers. Yes. Um, and mm-hmm. so that's something that you want to keep in mind. I think it is very important for people to find voices that they like, uh, voices that they feel mm-hmm. like they can trust and stick with them. Other thing that I want to say is the benefit of the, the YouTube slash Twitch streaming days. Obviously, it would be nice to get this information beforehand, but... Once God of War is out, there will be people who will do incredibly deep videos that will solely focus on the combat. Or there will be people that, the exact opposite of that, is just like, we're going to focus super specifically on this one aspect of the story. And I think because you have, you're not just relying on big media sites anymore, you do eventually get a lot of different hyper-specific information that may be more or less valuable to you as well. So, yeah. Michael, I think it was a very good question. I I mean, I think we're always trying to do our best and like yeah we all make mistakes we're trying to address them so yeah. i think it's good mm-hmm. yeah yeah no i like that take us to task for sure i like it but don't be mean about it you can be mean sometimes mean is good sometimes sometimes uh all right so next one is from troy troy says games you like but can't recommend mm. <laughs> lally ho allies do oh, you ever boy. struggle to recommend games that you like playing i've felt this feeling a lot during my current playthrough of near automata well, I don't hmm. want to make a final stance on the game until I reach the final ending. I wish more people did that. I can say my <laughs> current feelings in the middle of Path B are overwhelmingly positive, and there are several aspects of the game that make me feel like I'll love it by the end. However, it feels hard sometimes for me to recommend this game to people. Currently, the story seems very odd to me, and while I'm excited to see how it pans out over the rest of the game i also know that the structure of the narrative can push some people away i also feel this way about persona 5 one of my new favorite games of all time simply because of the time commitment my friends would need to see it to the end with this in mind what are some games you love but have trouble recommending to people or Mm. do you never find trouble recommending games to others looking forward to hearing your thoughts i mean it depends who i'm talking to about oh yeah, for a, sure. The person I'm talking to usually, like, I'm not gonna recommend Bloodborne to someone I know that I will not jive with. Like, if my brothers yeah. can play a game, I'm like, hey, you should play Bloodborne. It will not work in that case. I think that's fair, and it's very fair. Uh, I think one of the benefits that we have with Easy Allies, and maybe I lean into this more than I should, but I feel like if you are consuming easy allies even fairly regularly you play a lot of games sure (laughs) i i just i feel like the way that we talk about things in the way that we position ourselves and the conversations that i constantly have with people who watch our stuff is that these people play a lot of games and so i feel like i can take that in mind where it's like okay because you play a lot of games i don't have to be like well this thing, that thing, and the other, like, you kind of know what you're getting into. Like, I don't have to explain what the concept of a JRPG is to you. That, that, we're right. working on that kind of level. So that's nice. Uh, 
But as far as recommending games, yeah, I think it can be difficult. I think Deadly Premonition is a hard thing to recommend. And I, I sure. recently <laughs> ran into this. I think it was either Brandon or Huber. And I was, I, I think Deadly Premonition. I actually think it is amazing. It's not a joke. <clears throat> I think it is truly a fantastic game. But the act of playing it can sometimes be very frustrating because of how clunky it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very slow to get going. But I think if you do stick with it, it's great. Um, I do have those caveats sometimes, those heavy caveats. But... My advice to Troy is, I think you just also have to kind of let that go. You can't recommend something to somebody with the intent of being like, you have to like this. Right. You just have to like things very intensely. Oh Yeah, definitely. And because you like them, just recommend what you like, and maybe some people will take to it, and maybe some people won't. Mm -hmm. But if you spend too much time thinking like, no, I have to get this person to like this thing... They might drive them away from it. Right. Ultimately, you're, it's like it's like you're trying to catch all these flies, and you're focusing on this one fly. Mm-hmm. Where if you just did it because you liked it, you might get a whole bunch more, and maybe that one person will fly away. Yeah. The metaphors today. <laughs> flies. But you have trouble recommending stuff to people. Um, I don't feel like I generally do. I've been trying to think of a specific example because I I know that there's been something in a recent memory where I've I've, I've thought that, but I I haven't. I haven't pulled it from from my brain yet, uh, but yeah, there there are definitely things you know that yeah, like Brad was saying, like based on the person, it's like yeah, like mm-hmm. this is a great game, but I wouldn't you know necessarily recommend mm-hmm. it to this set of friends or whatever. The ones that I struggle with the most because I was talking about like hey, just recommend the things you really like, and that's always easy. Like if you feel like something is a nine or an eight or something, yeah, or you know I'm just using numbers for quick reference points. But if you really love something the whole way through. Uh, it's easy to recommend, but the, the swimming in sevens can be very tricky. Sure. The games that you enjoyed that aren't going to stick with you, that aren't going to be on your top ten, mm-hmm. and somebody comes up and they ask you directly, like, hey, should I play this? Because I think in those situations, it's very difficult f- to give them an accurate portrayal of how you feel. Mm-hmm. I feel like when you start talking about the mistakes, they might get a more negative impression. When you start talking about the positives, they might get too positive impression and so i feel like in those instances and even with reviews it's hard to sometimes balance that where it's like this is all right like it's it's, sometimes it's hard to sell people on just how all right you feel Mm -hmm. (laughs) sure Uh, did you feel that way at all i'm not i'm not trying to pick on this game it's just out of general curiosity because it's a recent example uh i felt that way kind of with attack on titan 2 okay did you feel that way at all with like kirby yeah um yeah, it's like one of the things that's like, like it's enjoyable. But do I recommend you like going out and buying it? It's like I don't, I don't know. It's like you know, it's like it's kind of you know, that's kind of up to you, you know. Right. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I think you're right. It's it's definitely in those, those kind of mid range uh, games, the sixes and sevens, where it's like I I I can enjoy this, but not necessarily say yeah. that you have to pick it up. Yeah. Uh, this is probably as good of a time as any to talk about this but the questions that i that i get a lot that i a lot of times just straight up don't answer because i don't know what to tell them are when somebody says hey i can only play one game this month and i think that's a very valid concern of course sure but they're like should i play this amazing thing or this other amazing thing (laughs) like just an example like should i play persona 5 or near and it's like i those two are tough. I don't I, know. I tend to side, when people ask me those questions, I tend to side with the shorter game. I think that's reasonable. Yeah, <laughs> I, like, I think that's reasonable. You can play this game and then play something else. Whereas right. that game, you're 
six months, you're done. But then I think to myself, like, ah, if they can only play one game, do they yeah. maybe want the, the longer same thing? One? I'm like, yeah. oh, how many games can they buy? Yeah, I think, yeah, I think, it, yeah, it's a question of like, is it a time issue or a money issue? It's always like yeah. a case by case basis. It's tough. We do our best. It is tough. Uh, our last question is a really feel good one. Ooh. I like this. This is from Jory. Online co-op with strangers. Mm. Hey, Ben. Hope everything is well. I was just wondering, what was your favorite online experience with strangers in co-op or online games? To give an example, I played Destiny I played a Destiny 2 raid with a random group of U.S. Marines. Cool. We took wow. over eight hours to finish the raid because nobody really knew what to do. As we got more and more fatigued, we started singing Marine songs and yelled, <laughs> Hoorah! Every time we confirmed an important wow. kill. It was super jolly, and I still play games with these random Marines up until this point. This is amazing. That's, yeah, that's, that's good great. stuff. I was wondering what your favorite online moment was with strangers. Uh, keep up the great work. I don't watch a ton of streams anymore because of a lack of time, but I just want to say you guys make awesome content. And the reason this is from Yuri, you might know him as Divinity. Oh, okay. It's been yeah, a while. It's yeah. been a while since we heard from Divinity. I got two examples that popped in my head. Uh, playing Final Fantasy XI back in the day with some mm. Japanese players. Tell me about this. And just trying to like communicate with them about certain things. Mm-hmm. And like, just like, if you do something like, you get like those translated messages that yes. says like, very good or something like that. Thank you. It was like so wild when I played that. Yes. Because that was my first MMO. Yeah. I was like, wow, it's crazy. And when I was playing Sea of Thieves for review, mm. we, I played with a fan. Mm. I forgot his name. I'm sorry. But I came into the game. She's like, hey, and he's RPing as a pirate the whole time. So I'm like, all right, dude, I'm going to RP as a pirate too the whole time. So we played for hours just RPing, trying to make each other laugh the whole time. Nice. It's beautiful. That's awesome. Yeah. Those are both really good stories. I'm sad that I didn't play with you and RP'd as a pirate. Anytime, baby. I remember getting really excited uh, upon first playing Final Fantasy XI and the, using the auto-translate. Dude, and just crazy. Just that feeling of like, oh, man, mm. like we're, we're using this technology to communicate. Yeah. It was just, <laughs> just like a, a pure, wonderful feeling. Yeah, I felt it was. so happy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Blood, caught with strangers. Yeah, uh, I don't. I don't think I have any great examples. It's oh, not no. something I do a whole lot of. Come on, blood. We gotta Damn get it. with that. We gotta do that. We have to do that. We have to get like caught oh. with blood. Co-op experiences. Sessions, yeah. yeah. Nothing with like souls or anything, because I know you went through this somewhat recently. Yeah. Well, I mean, souls. Like I wasn't even like with Souls Three, I wasn't even allowed to. Um, <laughs> oh. But um, <laughs> Brad ruined it for you. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's it's not. Hey, I made him play the game. Damn it. Uh. I I definitely yeah I mean that game doesn't have those games don't have voice chat anyway yeah you can't like communicate as a word so yeah I mean I definitely would uh, frequently in Dark Souls two like after I'd beat a boss I would put the my summon sign down and like go in there with other people and fight the bosses uh, and then and like Splatoon two there's the horde mode or whatever cool. but nothing yeah I don't know that I have that many experiences where I was like co-oping with like people and like doing a lot of chatting communicating and stuff like that did you have any them. like crazy not, not, maybe it wasn't a good experience but did you have any like crazy conversations in, in PUBG or anything uh no PUBG I was I, I was doing like solo matches I wasn't doing any of the, the, the mm. co-op stuff either okay so okay definitely gotta, something that's a bit a bit more intimidating for me yeah I uh I don't know what I would oh what about Journey Mm-hmm. Do you have any I mean, online called strange? I mean, I definitely enjoyed doing that. Okay, but you can't do much. You like chirp at them, maybe. 
Yeah, but I, but it's I think the limitations the make it even more yeah. enjoyable. Yeah. yeah. Um, for me, this this might not be a surprise to anyone, but that's okay. Still want to talk about it. Uh, Fantasy Star Online <laughs> for me, one hundred percent. Would you play this on Dreamcast? Dreamcast. Yeah. Dreamcast. That was the only. Yeah, yeah. yeah, GameCube wasn't online, or was it? No, GameCube was online. Yeah, okay. I online. I didn't. I actually did not. Play Fantasy the Star Online offline. Until we played it for. I mean, you can play the game offline. Yeah, but it's just funny. Playing Fantasy Star Online online on the Dreamcast, specifically at that time, I mean, it was still unreal that you were even playing with people online. Yeah, like that's what Final Fantasy was for me. It's like, wow. Right. And, and and so like comparatively to like today, it felt like a really small pool. But and I think partly because of that small pool, I remember and again, we're dealing with memory and nostalgia, so keep that sure. in mind. But I, I honestly remember every experience pretty much in Fantasy Star Online being super positive. Like, you would you would die and, like, people weren't, like, tormenting you for it. They would, mm. like, try to help you out. They would answer questions. Yeah. I remember having, like, That's the what day I remember. that I will always remember is Final Fantasy of the Spirits Within came out. And I was really excited to see it because I loved Final Fantasy. And somebody else was going to see the movie, and they were really excited about Final Fantasy. And it was just like this really pure time where no one was trying to shit on other people. You yeah. just liked video games, and you couldn't... It didn't feel like you could communicate as easily, so you were just really excited to talk about the things that you were passionate about. Yeah. And it was awesome. And I think that experience that I had is the number one reason why I love Fantasy Star Online so much. Yeah, it's oh. like what Final Fantasy XI was for me. Yeah. Just like, I can't remember one like negative experience with a player or something mm-hmm. like that in that game. Yeah. And I, I feel like Japanese players were always very nice. Like, they were always trying to, that, like, to help That out. I was aware of. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure there are probably counterexamples to that too. But uh, I loved your Marine story, Divinity. That was very good. Yeah, that's good stuff. I think that's gonna do it for this frame trap. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I hope this, you guys had fun. I hope you enjoyed. Juicy it. frame trap. Yeah, juicy. Yeah. We we talked about some new things. We talked about some old things. We talked about some bull crap as well. That also <laughs> happened. Uh, but yes, once again, I hope you enjoyed the episode. If if you would like to support the show, uh, please go, or you just like to support us on Patreon. Please go to Patreon.com/EasyAllies. Uh, any support that you can give us really helps us out a lot. We do appreciate it. Um, and yeah, thank you so much to the panel. Thank you to Blower. Thank you to Brad uh, for being on, for talking about video games. Always a pleasure. And until next time.